says he joined. Your weird avatar is not an Apple guy. You can you can pick which picture you want to like vend to people, and the picture you've chosen is the picture of you when you're 15. <laughs> I mean, my picture Hi, is John. old. Nice my to see you. Old, but I have your picture. <laughs> I love you too, man. It's I, I really miss you. It's been a tough year. Uh huh. Uh huh. You got to learn yeah. how to work all this Apple stuff. Yeah. That that's on Apple. It's not on Apple. It's on you. It's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long three hours. Is what I'm. <laughs> a tight sixty. <laughs> a tight sixty. <laughs> yeah. Does does dithering usually start on time, Mister? Let's get on Skype in five yeah, minutes. Yeah, takes exactly. Minutes dithering is dithering. the antithesis of what either of you are capable of, and and it is a remarkable show. Dithering starts within a dithering of. Of when it's supposed to start. Mm, great. So you're you're uh, you're only ever off by one hundred percent. Right. So <laughs> uh, so we're we're done recording within uh, two dithers. Yeah. It works. Hold on. Something it's bizarre here. I this is a, because I have not been podcasting over the break. I, I've got this old Catalina system, and somehow. I got an alert, like a notification. It said automatic updates have been turned on, which I didn't think could happen. I mean, if you turn them on, they turn them on. I didn't turn them on. Click a checkbox? Yeah, no, but now they're all turned on in software update. Hold on. Mm-hmm. That, I don't believe. Honestly, if that is a policy that Apple has adopted, yeah, you, I don't know. you've got a scoop because right. that's install, not right. Download, install. No, I don't want any of this. Come on. All right. All right. I'm recording. You guys recording your ends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. This will be tight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's yeah. – <laughs> Hey, do you, you know what? Just get just to get it off the top. Hey, uh, Suki said, uh, happy Christmas. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, happy Christmas. Did they say that in Canada too? That's how oh, they say it. Crying out loud. <laughs> I think it's only in Quebec though. In what? You know what? Never mind. Never mind. Take yes, it back. Mer- Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, and yeah, to all yeah. A good night. Well, and by the time we're done recording, it'll be your birthday. Sure. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy birthday, my I friend. thought we were saving that. <laughs> Just so you know, John, I had to... Never mind. Well, okay. what are we saving it for? Well, we're saving it for, I don't know, a surprise where I get to feel like the guy that actually knew it and you got to be the yeah, guy that was surprised by it. It's a hard date to remember, I know. Huh. Well, do you know what? I texted John earlier. This should go in the show. I hope this goes in the show. I, I texted John earlier and I'm like, eh, my computer tells me that it's John's birthday today or tomorrow. And I'm not sure I believe it because it could just be a date. That got rounded off to like. No, that would be you get extra points now if you know the Mac Epoch. Mm. No, uh, looking it up. Oh, nineteen seventy is nope. Nope, January first. Uh, January first, two thousand. Nope, nineteen oh four. I think that's right. I think it's right. The nineteen oh four right part sounds right. The January first, I'm not sure about. I'm pretty sure it's January first. Well, 1st, it has to be January first. Like, honestly, I'm going to bet harder on January first than nineteen oh four. Oh, you got it. January 1st, 1904. Yeah, and the reason, I think, I believe the backstory, I can't believe I know this and it's not you. I believe the reason they started at 1904 instead of 1900 
was which would be a lot easier because then you could you could easily convert the remember back when we used to do dates years as two digit numbers <laughs> just yeah. just add nineteen hundred but they avoided nineteen hundred because of the weird leap year rules around centuries and I know two thousand was like the super weird one where usually if it's a century it doesn't count as a leap year because there's it's like you only need. 19 non-leap years out of a century to keep the earth I, I you know what i mean it's like a weird thing where like 1900 First of all, you don't you don't keep the earth in anything you keep us <laughs> you keep us aligned with the way that the earth is going but yeah, yeah. definitely that yeah. that makes sense also I, I think it's a little bit of a flipping the bird at convention yeah well, you know, so, so you don't run out of Unix runs out of years, you know, right? In, in Real 20, yeah. right? And then this ran out when two thousand seven ish, yeah, something uh, like that. I forget. But the basic idea was that by starting the epoch at nineteen oh four, they could have fewer leap year rules in the system, and it wouldn't break until twenty one hundred. Like they they were ready for the year two thousand, but. Uh, we're not ready for the year 1900. Anyway, this is a Star Wars holiday spectacular. <laughs> the most erratic annual, semi-annual, what's the word for, uh, uh, there's bi- Biannual, yeah. Biannual is what, every other year? Uh, or or twice a year? Is bi- isn't like bi-weekly like one of those things? Yeah, you- bi-weekly is the one that means both. Yeah. Um, Let's just go with... Uh, Biannual. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you know what we didn't talk about? <laughs> what? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Well, see, now I'm getting to that. We let just me, skipped it. We let, just skipped it. Let there me, was there was as, other opportunities. As is appropriate, I think. Right. Let I, me, I think so too. Let me. I inter- think so too. Let me get through the introduction. Here's the I'm here's sorry. the way it goes. Good luck. Uh, so it's not every year, but it's most years. But there is no set schedule, so it's like errata annual. It's erratically annual. During the break between Christmas and New Year's, there's there's a holiday Star Wars spectacular episode of this podcast, and we talk about uh, Star Wars. And we we did it for uh, the rise of uh, Skywalker. No. Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> That's the only one we didn't do. <laughs> uh, we did it for... Uh, the Last Jedi. You know, 1904, but you don't know the name of the, the second most recent Star Wars movie. I don't remember which one we did it for. The honestly. Last Jedi? That was the one before I do, the Rise I of do love that he's got 1904 off the top of his tongue. Right. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty great. Well, you know no. what? This brings me to a good point, though. I, I think it's me getting older, but one mm-hmm. of the points you I think? want to talk about is that I remember the obscure names of spaceships and characters, characters who had no lines or no lines in English mm-hmm. from the original trilogy. And there are major characters in in the Mandalorian and the new Star Wars movies whose names I, I'll never remember. They, they're right in front of me, and then I could look away from the piece of paper and I'll forget them. So I think the 1904 thing qualifies as that. I, that got seared yeah. into my young brain, which had great memory, and uh, the new yeah, stuff. They, won't. And they have the uh, the Mac Epoch action figure from Kenner, which really really cemented <laughs> that. <laughs> he had a 
<laughs> you know what? You had to you had to get the character names right because uh, you know you had to make your Christmas list. This is mm-hmm. see now. This is where this is where like there, there's that massive overlap between the three of us. You know, like there's a lot of things we all love, and then we're all different in our own ways. But I feel yeah. like one way that that all three of us would agree is that when you were asking for Star Wars toys, you made a I made a very precise list that was unambiguous and could not possibly have generated any any mistakes or errors in terms of like should should the uh, X-wing toy be the full-size toy that you could put the action figure in or the smaller die-cast model well i didn't want to have any ambiguity i needed the one you could put the action figures in and so i put like you know, I, I forget how I clarified it. You circle it in the catalog is what you do. Right, exactly. You yes. Have attachments. Right. Can I, can I admit something that I have never admitted, even to my own mother, to anybody I've ever loved? And <laughs> since it's just the three of us here, I I kind of want to get it off my chest. When I was very young, uh, I guess eight, seven or eight. Uh, I was living in an apartment that we just moved in after we'd left England, and uh, I wanted an adult. I wanted an adult. There's no shame in apartment. That. No, there's no shame in that. But, <laughs> but, John, you know me. The shame is coming. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I went looking for Christmas presents in my mother's closet. <laughs> And I found one, and it was—I I forget what it was. It, it might as well have been a jigsaw puzzle of an adat when I wanted the actual adat. <laughs> and and I addressed it to her after having discovered it without wanting to let her know that I'd actually gone and found the present that I had hoped for. And I was like, hey, mom, just so you know what I want. <laughs> I want an actual ad-ad, you know. Not, not, let's say, a jigsaw puzzle of an ad-ad. That's less fun. I want an ad-ad. And uh, I was not as keenly James Bondish as I would have liked to have been at the age of seven. And you were were uh, not suave about it. In other words, you're saying no, no, not at all. And I still remember that look on her face. And I, I, mom, if you listen to this, I'm so sorry. I, I did you poorly. I really did. I really did want that ad at, and you came through. She really did come through. Like I got an ad at for Christmas. But Boy, felt- your, your reward for this terrible act is you get the actual ad. I never got the ad out. I had to go over to my friend's house and play with his ad. I, I did not get the ad out. I can I, tell you. I, yeah, I, this, was not, this was not a great contribution to me as a human being, but it worked out in that year in a very small way. <laughs> I, was, I was never a present snooper. Uh, I did. I, I, I think it peaked around the age of 10. And, and I did find, I believe for my birthday, I found a the BM, BM, uh, BMX bike that I was getting. And I did go looking for it because I was so curious. And I realized there was no way they could really, there was only one place they could hide it is sort of right. a, like yeah. a sub closet at the back of the basement. Uh, and there it was. And, oh, and it was beautiful. Uh, but the other one I found accidentally, 
And I, and I don't, it was so jarring and shocking to me that I don't quite remember if it was a birthday or Christmas, but I suspect it was a Christmas is I got the Millennium Falcon, you know, the big Kenner pop pop the top off, throw some characters in there. And it was the greatest present I ever got. And I kind of thought it was a stretch goal to ask for it because I don't know what it cost, but it seemed like insanely expensive. It was like, I don't know, 60 bucks. Yeah. And it was like, what? There's and, and it was huge. It's like, ah, there's no way I'm getting that. But I got it, and it was the greatest thing ever. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. I, I do feel like a real jerk. What was the, what was yeah, the best Star Wars toy you had growing up, John? Man. You just mentioned that BMX thing. and I, I was a present snooper, but somehow they hid my BMX bike from me. That My Ooh. BMX bike, my, my 1984 Mongoose Californian, was the, the best Christmas present I've mm. ever received. But on the Star Wars category specifically, I didn't get most of the things that I wanted. Uh I did have the 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 tie that the wings popped off and the X-wing that the character goes in. I also had the Death Star with the comp, trash compactor with the with the uh, square uh, foam cubes. But yeah. I think my I think my best one. And these were weird. Not a lot of people had these. I don't know if you either one of you had these. Do you remember the twelve inch figures? Yes, yeah. yes, I do. Yeah. They were fantastic, and I had a Boba Fett. Oh, what? oh, and that was I, I, cool. I had a Boba Fett, Darth Vader, Luke, and Leia, and the Boba Fett was obviously my favorite. Yeah, and did was it? Did it have like some cloth too, or was it yes, all? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it was, you know, I mean, it was before the age today of like these hyper realistic toys that look really like the thing on the screen. Because you know, obviously the Kenner toys were great and everything, but they didn't even have elbows and knees that moved, and they were pretty sketchy looking, you know, in terms of fidelity. And Boba Fett was cool, and I had him, not with the shooting missile, but I had the regular one. But the 12-inch Boba Fett might as well right. have been. It was like an HD, right? right? Yes, a cloth cape, plastic head that looked like the one in the movie. They didn't have articulated joints either, but they were just so much bigger and more sort of uh, realistic looking. Very cool. Did you guys ever watch uh, The Toys That Made Me? It's a Netflix documentary. It covers yes. a lot of... Yes. Right. And they talk about G.I. Joe at that point. And I think that these, uh, like that 12-inch Boba Fett is in line of those old precursor yeah. G.I. Joe figures that were, you know, 12 inches tall, very articulated, and uh, very much in the doll category, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't like Action to make that figure, distinction. Please. Right. So here's the thing. And I and I I don't think you believe that is it. Where's the distinction between action figures and dolls? Whatever you're playing with dolls, right? This was uh, very much uh, an action figure, uh, uh, a gross, <laughs> a grossly rendered action figure, right? As opposed to the sort of what are they like? The GI Joe characters are what six inches tall? Like these things were big. And manipulative, and 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 they felt more like a, an entity in your life rather than something that you could make a a recreation of the Alamo with. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they they, I, they were things. They were things that you interacted with rather than being play things that you could place in a battlefield. I uh, I was going to bring it up. I, I I you said that, and it brings to mind that whoever, whichever, and you know, it was some Don Draper madman type 
guy who came up with the phrase oh, action, yeah. action figure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I get it. And and it is funny. We're we're of a generation. We're now in 2020. We're, we can all say, well, you know, if 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 your young son wants to play with dolls, or your 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 young daughter wants to play with uh, army, you know, Star Wars characters with lightsabers and guns, it's all good. Let every you know everybody just has fun. You don't need to worry right. about words like that. It's all silly. But, you know, 1978, 79, well, it mattered. We learned that from uh, William Wants a Doll on Freebie, You and Me. Yeah. We knew. We knew it was right. <laughs> I had a doll. I carried a baby doll. Her name was uh, Kelky. And uh, that was because we had a neighbor who was uh, a few years older than me. Her name was Kelly. And I guess, you know, I had, you know, like as a, as a young three-year-old, I had like a, a crush on her or not a crush crush, but you know, like, like looked up to her because she was the, the, the neighbor. Are you, are you telling me that as a three-year-old, you didn't have a crush crush? No, you know what I mean? No, but I, 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 <laughs> but I liked my Kelky doll more than I liked Kelly, the neighbor. Right. Once I had the baby doll, <laughs> I mean, and I couldn't pronounce Kelly. So I, I, the baby was Kelky and she was a little, um. You'll know the type of doll. It, it had a hard head and hard hands, like articulated mm-hmm. but, plastic. But a squishy body. Yeah, but a squishy yeah. pillow body. And yeah. I carried Kelky with me everywhere I went by the arm. <laughs> and so the arm, <laughs> eventually my mom had to sew the arm back on. And then at some point, it like that wasn't working. And my mom, I believe, went out and bought me a replacement. And I didn't fall for it. And, you know... <laughs> uh, but my dad was very – my dad's a good man, and he's still – you know, and, and he's all on board with it. But my dad was not a fan of – at the time of taking me, like, let's say, to the bank with him, and I would tote along my Kelky. <laughs> he, need, he needed to right. listen more free to be you and me. Exactly. He'd be cool with it now. But uh, Yeah, Kel- but I think that's true of all of us, right? Like, I think yeah. we are in a different place now than we were yeah. when we were 20 years ago, for sure. Oh, yeah. But 20, 20 years ago was the year 2000, dude. I know, I know. And here's the thing. Here's why I picked that is that I knew both of you 20 years ago. And that's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. I just looked up the 12-inch Boba Fett, by the way. If I had kept the box, apparently I could sell it for three grand on eBay today. Wow. <laughs> so so here's the thing about that. So this bothered me a lot, though. And the one toy, what, so a massive Kenner toy that I did not want – because I it I could just tell before I even saw it at a friend's house, I was like, I don't want it. Is I did not want the Death Star, because the Death Star was clearly a Death Star imply inspired playset where it was sort of like a a bunch of interior sets from the Death Star, as opposed yeah. to a thing that looked like the Death Star that you could take a panel off and and put people in. Uh, so the Death Star playset was a, a semi sphere, basically. No, it wasn't even a sphere. It was just like a. It was just, as I recall, it was just like an apartment building. It was just a rectangle. It didn't even have any. Really? And my recollection was that it was just like a cutaway of a floor that bent in kind of an angle. Like it wasn't even. There was no. There wasn't uh, even a hint that it was in a giant gray sphere. They didn't. I mean, they don't do that to this day. Look at the Lego Death Star. It has no relation to the actual Death Star because it's just too darn big. Yeah. The thing I'm familiar with interacting with was a semi sphere. Uh, and it had a trash compactor. Oh, you, I've got it was, it. it was all made out of cardboard. It was not great. It uh-huh. was bad. And, and, and it supports everything you're saying, but, uh, it was a specific thing. It was here. I just put an message. This is, this is what I had trash compactor with, uh, with, uh, 
what do you call it? What's the name of the monster in there? Oh, I forget the name of the did monster. You, did, it I begins with I a D, know. whatever, trash compactor monster. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's, oh, I got it. Get it in a second. Hang on. It's a terrible. It was a terrible toy, though. It just. It was just. You, you could fake it. You didn't need it. I, I didn't like it at all. Oh man, this is what you had. Okay, John. Dianoga. That's that's Dianoga. Dianoga. That's yeah, that's it. not yeah. what I had. This is what I had. This is this was my biggest Star Wars toy, and honestly, I would have rather had either the Adat or the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, the Millennium Falcon was the bomb, and it even had a cool thing where the one landing gear was meant to be used as a pistol grip. You could like keep it down, and then you could fly around your house. What with the Millennium Falcon with this pistol grip down, very fun, very cool. But it, it bothered me when the, when the toys, you know, there's like an uncanny valley where it's like, okay, so you know, like the original Han Solo, like it did not look like Harrison Ford at all because all of those characters they just, they just had like a the most a melty generic face, yeah. yeah, like somebody like some kid who's actually pretty talented just carved a candle. You know, <laughs> and and, then, and they they had eyes that were just sort of like the eyes that like like you just draw as an idiot. You know, like two dots and then like a little upside down parenthesis. You know, like a parenthesis yeah, for you, eyebrows. And the, and the paint didn't land on the features even that. No, way. Right. Like if, they, if they had gloves right. or boots, no. it was like ah, the paint is more or less on the boot, and then it kind of fades right. in the leg. Right, and I'm looking at this. 12-inch Vader again, and I realized that Boba Fett, looking at these pictures, Boba Fett had articulated joints. Vader didn't. They were mm. hollow plastic, like Vader's arms and legs, like the, the whole the whole body of at least Vader anyway was like hollow plastic, but they didn't have elbows, but Boba Fett did apparently. Maybe that's yeah, why but, I liked him better. So there was a 12-inch 3PO and a Vader, and I believe they're from 77, because I believe I saw them before at, at a friend's house, before Spoilers. Empire Strikes Back came out. Oh, and I right. think that once Empire came out, it was like, well, we're going to make a bunch of money, so let's make these better. I've what? never seen a 12-inch Boba Fett. I, I did not though know those existed. I knew it, they existed before Empire came out because I was trying to collect enough stickers in order to get one with a rocket pack. And I did not. There were so many things that bothered me. It bothered me that the, the lightsaber characters – had instead of a lightsaber that went into their <laughs> hand, that was the worst. Little, they, little noodle that comes out, yeah. <laughs> and it was two different sides. And the worst part about it was like the, the lightsaber doesn't have one section that's thicker and then an X section that's thinner, they're uniform. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make why would you do that? The only good thing about it was that my mother couldn't take it away because she right. took away the guns from all my other <laughs> Kenner figures. Oh, like because uh, of sort of a, a, a loose. No playing with guns policy, or or it was a very tight no playing with guns right. policy, very tight. Gotcha. Well, you, no, seriously, no, like, sorry to break character on this, but do you resent that, or do you think that was good? Uh, I resent it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because you're I mean, not like I want to play with guns kind of guy. I so. I didn't. I wasn't big on it with my kids either. But come on. Yeah. It's Star okay. Wars. It's fantasy violence. Like, and it, 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 and it, all I did was make my own guns out of like wood anyway. So it's like you're not stopping anything. That, right. That yeah. is so true. And and I know that like no guns po- – and I know there's guaranteed – there's way too many people who listen to this podcast. I know that there are 
literally almost certainly thousands of people who are going to listen to this show who who are currently raising kids with a no guns policy and there are thousands who are rolling their eyes saying that's ridiculous and silly and i'm just saying whatever however you want to raise your kids is all fine but all i know is having raised a son in the last 17 years with numerous friends, it's like it, it was a thing we would check, right? Friends are coming over. What's the gun policy? It just, you know, because right. you don't want any trouble. The kids raised in the no gun family will pick up anything and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, oh, you know, like you find like a stick on the ground that's vaguely L-shaped and it becomes a gun. Okay, sure. I did that. I'm talking that the, the kids that Jonas grew up with in no gun families would pick up like a, a, a gum wrapper, like a piece of paper, and, and, <laughs> and the kids would be playing something entirely else, and then they would just fold it into a gun. They were nuts for making guns out of uh, pieces of cellophane, like not sticks, leaves, just pick up a leaf <laughs> and it would become a gun. And it's like, I don't, I, 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 you know, I don't want to send the kid back to his house. I, I presume that his no. parents knew that he was doing this, but it's like, I don't want him to think that they picked it up. You know, Jonas's dad taught me how to make a gun out of a piece of gum. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it, just the whole it's a little nature. bit James Bond, though. Right. Come on, the whole nature nurture thing going on there. But right. like, I mean, I didn't buy my kids guns ever. But when the, my kids got Star Wars figures, I didn't take the tiny right. little guns away from the Star Wars right. figures. I feel like that's the right balance. I never wanted my kids to have guns, especially realistic looking guns. I never bought them for them, but I did buy them Star Wars action figures slash dolls. And if they came with guns, they came with guns. And it was, I think that's the right balance. Because if you do a hard ban where it's like we got you a toy, but now we're removing right. one of the fun parts of the toy, that makes the kid make a gun out of a gum wrapper maybe. Yeah. We yeah, bought, we bought that... Jonas all the guns. <laughs> <laughs> really? He's, the only thing that kid has ever screwed me up with was really, really, really sour treats. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, nobody has made me want to vomit so much as your son trying to feed me like a sour treat in Ireland. That right. was that was the worst. Those Irish sour candies are the sourest. They're no imaginable. joke. They're, they're like something no from Harry Potter. Like they're magically imbued with extra sour. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. anyway, we bought Jonas all the Star Wars guns, and and in his generation, they were all like bright orange or green. You know, yeah. like I mean, they, all the real guns are on computers now, anyway. So uh, yeah, I, I, I played Destiny with Jonas. We know where the real guns are at, <laughs> and he's he's. <laughs> He's a gentle soul and like, you know, it was never like a roughhouser. It never, it, it, it had no bear, you know, anyway, I, I, I would recommend not worrying about it, but whatever you want to do, but it always, anyway, long, long story short, it bothered me that their lightsabers were like sticks that came out of their arms. I yeah. always felt like that was an attempt at tapering and all they could do is like. Yeah. The manufacturer that, could only that, make. That precision yeah. was all they could, they could do. And they were yeah. just, yeah. yeah good but, but like, they should have worried more about like length. Like yeah. it was, they were, they were like a foot and a half long in scale. Right? right. They were like the length of their forearm. Cause that's where they slid into. So how could you make it longer than the forearm? Cause they slide into the forearm. It was, all, it was just bad. Also the Luke, you know what? the Luke character had a yellow lightsaber. Yeah. It was a mess. Yeah. But, I mean, can't, it, it was the type of thing where the toy manufacturers are like, who cares what color it is in the movie? Whatever. Yeah, me, like, and it turns out everybody cares. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm I'm five years old and I'm like, have you people ever even seen this movie? 
I'm so mad about it. I'm yeah. still I mad. I didn't about realize it. that this this was like the movie that would literally create the first generation of people who would care very deeply about the color. Right. Of in fact, <laughs> in fact, too deeply. And I think right. we're going to touch on that. If we ever talk about what we're going to talk about, but <laughs> but, um, but there were other aspects. About. There were other aspects that they. This is what bothered me about it was that they clearly paid attention to other details. So Han Solo came with the Han Solo DL forty four blaster. Now see now how do I know that his <laughs> blaster was a DL forty four? Well, first because, of all, it's forty four. Again, I I barely remember uh, my own birthday anymore, but somehow DL forty four. I remember it. And the stormtroopers came with stormtrooper little half rifles, whatever you want to call them. They got the guns right. And, and it could have easily just made like Lego, you know, the way that Lego just sort of has like one generic pistol and, or like lightsabers, right? Like, so all the Star Wars figures yeah. from Lego have a generic, there's just a, a lightsaber piece and nobody worries about whether it looks like right. Darth Vader's you, lightsaber. You print them up by the thousands, you right. stick them in boxes. So any of Done. these Star Wars characters with uh, a blaster could have had the same pistol and it, you know, but they got it right. So why in the world wouldn't you get the color of Luke's lightsaber right? How can you not know he has a blue lightsaber? It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, I suspect they did. And uh, one of you is going to have to correct me on when Pantone actually came around because I just don't think that they could. The funny I, thing I, is, I, don't, I don't think they could dye that plastic that color. No, because like, yeah, yellow. Yeah, because Obi Wan, Obi Wan, yeah, Obi Wan had a blue lightsaber. Just give him. Just use the same oh, yeah. part from Obi Wan. Why was this yellow then? It was because it wasn't. Because I'm thinking of Jedi, and I'm thinking they were trying to do a green thing, but no. I mean, it matches his hair. I don't know. Oh, I, I just uh, sent a picture of, apparently they did, they did uh, 1995 and 2019. They did reproductions of the original Kenner thing, and they faithfully reproduced the yellow lightsaber with the stupid tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's a long, it's an erratic annual schedule. <laughs> yeah, goodness recovery. But we don't, we don't cover everything. We can't cover everything. And we, we happen to skip the rise of Skywalker. We don't have time. There's no way. We're already the introduction has taken us half an hour. There's absolutely can, no way. John, we, John, we just can, cover it. can we say that 1977 Luke Skywalker has a very flaccid looking? <laughs> I mean, it was it was 1977. It was a long time ago. You got it to allow was, for it. Was that guy went to way too many key parties? A, and yeah. in, the, in the immortal words of George Costanza, he was in the pool. <laughs> he was in the pool. He was. Sorry, John. I I, I don't want to cut you off because we really should move on. But like 1977, Luke Skywalker has definitely. You know what? The Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan character is all kinds of wrong. And that bothered me. I haven't seen this figure in a long time since I was a kid. Yeah, that, that's the one I grew up with. And that's just not Obi-Wan. He kind of, you could have done the line, but you didn't. Yeah, he kind of looks like a kid, like a character from like Flash Gordon or something. Yeah, you know? right. He's wearing Very some kind of like so. maroon seventies like polyester right. jumpsuit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's sort of like with the Obi Wan character. It's like they found out he was an old man and kids weren't really going to care, and so somebody who'd never seen the movie just asks somebody. Jazz him up. Yeah, it was just like yeah. he, it was like second or third hand. What does this Obi Wan character look like? And and then they made this. Yeah, yeah they, didn't even, they didn't even bother painting his shoes a different color. Do you remember touching <laughs> that like, cape? His paint that, color just goes straight down to his I don't shoes. know if you guys ever touched that cape, but it's plastic. It, oh, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah, plastic. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah all the counter things have plastic capes. Yeah. That's why. Anyway, sorry, sorry, John, I, I, I cut you off to make fun of Flaccid Luke. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, Mark Hamill. 
<laughs> so we we are here to talk today about the Ewok Adventure, the 1984 right. <laughs> TV movie uh, that I've forgotten even exists. Now, uh, we I want to talk about the Mandalorian because I feel like we could cover that in a reasonable length of time. We can mm-hmm. kind of. <laughs> We can kind of yeah, tie it in. It's adorable. Yeah. All right. We've got a few hours left in 2020. So <laughs> let me take a break before we even get started. And I will I will thank our first sponsor. It's our good friends at Squarespace. Squarespace. You guys know Squarespace. My God. It's, it's the all-in-one site where you go to make a website. You just go there. And it has everything built in from registering domain names to picking a template from a whole wide range of templates to configuring it right there in the browser yourself as you make your website. And if you want like a a catalog where you want to sell stuff and do all the commerce right there on your site, you do that, set it up in Squarespace. You don't have to leave Squarespace to do it. You want to set up uh, a blog or like a podcast and you post the episodes right there through the Squarespace interface. It's all right there. Analytics, so you can see where people are coming from. All of it is right there in Squarespace. Could not be easier to use as a totally non-technical person. But if you are technical, you can dig in, you can configure the HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript, whatever you need. Fantastic both if you're technically oriented and if you're not. And as I always like to say, if you're listening to this show, there's a good chance you're on the technical end of the spectrum. But people come to you when they need help with a website. Send them to Squarespace. Get them out of your hair. Could not be easier. Could not be a better solution. Where do you go to find out more? Go to squarespace.com slash talk show. They get a 30-day free trial. Everybody gets that, whether they come from the talk show or not. Uh, but then if you start at squarespace.com slash talk show, they know it's me. Your, this show that they came from, and you can use the offer code Talk Show T A L K S H O W. Get ten percent off your first purchase when you do sign up. So go to squarespace.com slash Talk Show. Big New Year's thing. I'm sure that'll be a push next year. Uh, but you could get started on your New Year's resolutions. Build a new website. John, does Marco ever make you listen to the reads right there during the show? Or is he, it's always sounds to me like he he pops them in after the fact. I'll never reveal the secrets of our program. Well, don't you don't you let people just listen to it? Yeah, but if you don't listen live, you'll know you don't know what's happening. Yeah, I love that Gooby is just saying you don't listen live. No, I, right. I stick to I stick to the well, I stick to canon. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Well, there's, there's, you're getting better at this because that's a good segue. There's multiple canon uh, versions now because you got the yeah. member version. No, for, that's not you know, canon. That's it's very complicated. No, that's that's but, fan- but as you know, John, no one pays for podcasts, so don't worry about it. That's fan- Actually, wait, Syracuse, so what is the canon version of ATP? They're all canon. No, oh, they're God. not. Oh, only- God, uh, God, that's, that's, not, that's unlike every, you. Every it's week very we put like out you- three canon episodes every single week. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> over the break, at some point in the last 10 days, um, we introduced Jonas to the Star Wars holiday special. This is what I wanted to ask you, John, with, with this Do birthday you... of yours. What is it like to have a birthday so close to life day? It's never comp. I, I, I thankfully avoided ever seeing the Star Wars holiday special, despite knowing about it, despite knowing about its infamy. I avoided it for almost my entire life until we did it on The Incomparable a year <laughs> or two ago. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it, and it was terrible and then somehow 
I erased that from my memory and I got sucked back into doing a commentary track on it. This year. <laughs> so I've seen it two times, both times in the form of a podcast. The first time it really, really bothered me. The second time I think I was mostly numb to it, but it's no good. I was really shocked because we're on the same Slack about that. And uh, when it came up the first time, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. And I think I texted you, John, and, and you were like, don't, don't watch it. I, I took a bullet for you. And then not like a year later, you were like, ah, doing a live commentary track. I thought it was immune, like, what, maybe, what are you doing? It was doing? like a COVID vaccine. I need two doses to truly be immune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Jonas, I think so. Jonas yeah. is usually pretty keyed in on this. He's, you know, he's he's on YouTube all the time, and and you know, you and he, you know, he's he knows it's Star Wars, and he honestly had he he had sort of vaguely heard about it and wasn't even sure it was real. Had never seen a moment of it. We dialed up, uh, you know, somebody's. <laughs> copy of a copy of a VHS tape best version available on YouTube. Did you get the one with commercials in it? Yes, uh, I believe so. That's that's the only good part. (laughs) We got the, I had some commercials and we started watching it and he couldn't believe it. And I, I remember, (laughs) I remember when it came out, I was so excited. I I could not believe it. There, you know, it'd be a chance for more star Wars and it was going to be free right on TV. And then the moment it started, I realized I, I knew exactly what was going on. This is horrible. And it's, it just seemed to me – the thing that was the most confusing to me, though, and it, it gets to my problem with like the articulation of some of the toys, is I could have accepted more readily if they had also recast all of the parts. And right. it was just – there was just some other – young kid playing quote unquote Luke Skywalker. And there was a man in a gorilla suit playing quote (laughs) Chewbacca, but it was, they were all, they, they got the actors and, and Chewbacca did look like Chewbacca. And, and it was like, there was the real R2D2. And I couldn't understand how, how this could, how these people could play any part in something that was obviously a complete and utter fraud. And I don't remember really watching it to completion and, and but you know it, it scarred me. It, it scarred me in a way that because it seemed incomprehensible that there could be any affiliation with the actual Star Wars, but there clearly was, and and yet this was a complete <laughs> horrible shot on videotape fraud. So Joe, wait, let let let's save that. Uh, what year did that come out? Nineteen eighty? No, no, seventy nine. It, it was before Empire. It was yeah, yeah. be like. 79, 79, I think. 78 or 79. Yeah. Man, do that math because I think think this goes towards the thesis statement that you sent me earlier, John. Yeah, well, okay. 1978, Star Wars Horror. 1978, right. So what, what did Star Wars mean at that time, right? We'd had the one movie where basically a crazy old guy takes a kid and forces him to engage in something way beyond his pay grade. And ultimately it works out because magic. Uh, like <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a weird story, right? Like, so is Earth Day that far off Star Wars? Right? Like, not, not we. Yes, I agree. Very I, 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 I definitely agree with you. I mean, they, they made a 70s variety show. Like, we, yeah. if you're alive in the 70s, you know what they were doing, yeah. and they just shoved Star Wars into it. And, and it was bad. And they literally opened up the CBS Rolodex and just contacted mm-hmm. the CBS ro- rotary of, 
who do we call? Well, CBS always calls B. Arthur when mm-hmm. when there's a you got th- Maud there, right? Now. Yeah, and and if it why been, wouldn't you? If, I would call B. Arthur if I was going to throw in a party. B. Arthur's coming, right? That's, it, yeah. and, and if it had been on ABC instead of CBS, it would have been a completely right. different set of stars. It would have been like John Ritter from uh, mm-hmm, uh, Three's mm-hmm. Company, Three's Company would have been, would have yeah. been in, instead of B. Arthur, you know, and Harvey Corman, and yeah. Harvey Corman, you know, Ar- the, Art Carney. Yeah. Zach, you know what? (laughs) That would have been a great show, right? And if it would have been, if it would have been NBC, they would have got Bob Hope instead of Art Carney, you know. And you know, all of a sudden, Bob Hope is in for thirty seconds. Bob Hope, you Bob Hope doing Yoda would have been good. Yeah, but no matter what, it was was on Jefferson Starship. Put him in there, just (laughs) just for just for the name. it broke my heart. Anyway, here's my thesis statement. My my premise for the show. I ran it by a guy. I didn't have to run it by John. I because I, I feel like you'll you'll grok it immediately. But, hey, well, I just wanted to. Once you said, it was I'm art. joking. I'm joking. Just go. Uh, I forget. Actually, I forget. I didn't write it down. So tell me if I if I get it right. But basically, <laughs> you basically, did. You wrote it down to me. Star Wars used to be, and the Star Wars that infused my vision of what it means was this thing that was extremely rare, extremely special, and they were these blockbuster, spectacular, two-hour, big-budget movies with the greatest special effects that blew away. The second-place movies with special effects for this sort of thing were so far in second place, it, it wasn't even worth talking about them. And and that they were like the Olympics. They only came out every few years. But even, but at least with the Olympics, you knew there'd be one every four years. And then when Return of the Jedi was over, there was a question as to whether there would a serious serious question as to whether there would ever be any Star Wars again. And in fact, there wasn't for sixteen years, except you know for special editions. And it was that special. And, you know, and then when George Lucas said, we're going to make a new trilogy, the one that was long rumored is going to be a prequel trilogy. That's why these movies were episodes four, five, and six. And it was like, this is so, this is going to be so great. This is special. And now we've got, uh, we've got (laughs) news announcements that there's seven different Star Wars shows. They make movies that uh, that they they can't make movies fast. They can't make Star Wars movies fast enough. And my thesis statement is that they, it's, it, it was good the old way when we grew up, when they were extremely special and extremely rare. But if you're going to go in a different direction and start squeezing them out more and into an expanded, you know, what do you call it? Like the Marvel expanded universe and there's the Star Wars expanded universe. And you're going to just keep making stuff. It's better to do it like this. And that's why I, I, I I'm not that big a fan of the last trilogy of movies. I really this the seven eight and nine, and the longer I go from them, the the less of a fan I am. And I feel like doing these TV shows is a better way to do it under Disney stewardship. That's my thesis statement. Well, I, I have think- to say that the 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 part that you described of when Star Wars was rare and everything that's true, but I didn't super enjoy it. It was a lot of a lot of tension. I could have done with more Star Wars. Like our childhood are defined, at least mine anyway, is defined by by wishing that there was more Star Wars. We saw, you know, the you know, a New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi, and all we did was talk on the playground about the nine movies in the lava pit for like the rest of our adolescence, and there wasn't any more movies. And I was seemed like we were waiting forever. And then of course we got the prequels, which were disappointing, and then we had to wait again, right? And so I. 
I have great affection for The Force Awakens because I felt like that was the payoff to a long, painful journey with Star Wars where I felt like I wasn't getting more of what I wanted for a very, very long time. And The Force Awakens was, I think, a very good Star Wars movie that said, yes, you can. There will exist a new Star Wars thing that you will really like. Um, And I thought The Last Jedi was okay, not as good as the other one, and Rise of Skywalker we didn't talk about, and they kind of dropped the ball. So I agree that the the second trilogy doesn't hold a candle to the first, obviously, um, and but it's better than the prequels. But the whole about, like, rarity versus, you know, having more stuff, I didn't really like the rarity part. It's what we got. It made, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? All that and everything. That's true. But I would have preferred a childhood where Star Wars ended up like the MCU, right? And the other thing to remember about MCU, speaking of that thing, is, like, the MCU, that's not the source material. The comics are the source material. This is deriv- The MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is derivative material based on properties developed in comic books. Star Wars is not like that. It wasn't developed as a comic book first or whatever. Like it was, it's, it, it was born as a movie. It is a movie franchise. So I think it's a little bit different in that you don't have, you know, 60 years worth of dozens of characters from which to pull and, you know, let somebody else give their take on Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. There's, that doesn't exist in Star Wars. Now, granted, there was the EU and it kind of spun out from there and now they can do more picking and choosing. But it's just so different that I'm not sure adopting one of the formulas of the existing, especially things like Cinematic Universe, is the right formula. And I guess I'm agreeing with you that, like, what, what are the, you know, Marvel on TV, I don't know if there's an acronym for that, but Star Wars on TV seems like a perfectly natural fit for me because... Now we do have some canon to pull from, and the television format allows you to get what I didn't have when I was a kid, which is, hey, guess what? More Star Wars. And when it's a TV show, the stakes are lower. You make a good TV show, you make a bad TV show, whatever. There'll be another TV show. It's not a big deal. Whereas if you have, you know, one trilogy of movies every few decades, the pressure is on. And if you end up with a trilogy like the prequels, where it just kind of fizzles and and we end up not liking it, it's like, well, I guess I'll see you guys again in another decade or two. And that's that's not fun. So there were three thoughts there. A, uh, the thought that we didn't get enough is when we were young and we always wanted more. Uh, uh, and ending up on the thought that uh, the MCU is a place to, uh, sorry, the, the television is a place that we can flesh that out. And in the middle, there is the notion that uh, Marvel succeeded because it had a lot of room to play with this stuff and these characters in uh, what has become a safe space, right? Like you can write comics and Spider-Man can turn into a living spider and all, do all kinds of horrible, weird and insane stuff. And you can even get to, a stinker movie. You get like a Thor 2 or something. That, yeah. It's like, sure. it's not a big deal, right? You just, sure. you know, cause there were sure. so many more of them. And, 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 and in that way, it is the finite uh, expression of, of of Star Wars that that sort of makes a difference, right? Uh, I wanted more Star Wars when I was young, and I'm not sure that giving people what they want is always the best notion of making the most creative thing. Uh, and 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 I. I sort of feared that this notion that like, you know, when I was young, if they just kept pumping out Star Wars, I'd feel awesome. Would you, would it mean the same? 
Uh, I mean, that's like I said, you know, it obviously looms large in our memory because there was so little of it and because right. what we had was so good. Because we true, made that up, right? Like, I I don't know about you, but I remember having arguments about, like, could Yoga beat uh, Yoga? <laughs> could Yoda beat the Emperor? Right. And, and my whole notion was, like, Yoda would never fight the Emperor. It wouldn't happen. He's beyond. He's just, he doesn't fight. He certainly doesn't light up a lightsaber and pinball all over the place like that's beneath him I mean, he just doesn't part, do that but part of the reason that prequels were so painful is it was this the giant gap and the weight that was put on them and if right. instead i mean right. just i was never into the eu but during that whole time the expanded universe was a thing and people were writing novels and like there was this yeah. whole world spinning out after return of the jedi it's just that it wasn't a world that i participated in so star wars did have its moment to like go in a million different directions and like and the reason i say i wanted more star wars on, and I mostly mean on on you know the movie screen or on the television right. screen as opposed to books is because Star Wars as a universe as a world can support you know so many different stories like so clearly it's not like we were going to burn it out in the same way that superheroes is such an open ended thing that you can right. support tons and tons of heroes it it didn't need to be weighted so heavily with like this expectation of just there's one story we can tell like there's you know there were so many stories you could tell in the star wars universe and the expanding universe told a lot of them uh but we didn't get to see any of them in movies or on television and that's that's what i would like more of even if some of it was kind of stinky i mean we got we got the ewok adventure we got the hollywood special we got that other ewok movie and it just it wasn't enough <laughs> yeah, and 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 even the books were like. So I read the Thrawn trilogy and then a few others, and I'm like, this is just not. It's <laughs> just not. It's I, just not. I read the first uh, one, and it was like, uh, and I did finish it, and it was like, man, this is this is bad, and I just right. like, put it aside. I mean, if you wanted more Star Wars, this is the only places you were getting it, right? You I know, but do I want Star Wars at the cost of it being bad? And uh, not that those. Books about uh, what's and, 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 and now, those, and now the like EU was the EU was kicked out of canon, and now it's being mined for I, properties to put back into canon. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the provenance of where good ideas from is less interesting than like, do I want to sit through this? Yeah. And anyway, I, I, I feel like I feel like the universe, like the Star Trek universe, like these are worlds that can support so many different stories. Like you've so got, I you've literally you. got a whole galaxy. Like I agree with no you one hundred percent. This is a conversation I had with. Uh, Matt Drance and Rene Richie and I forget who else was it. Maybe Melton. I don't know. Never, uh, ne- never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, years ago. Uh, when Disney bought uh, the rights to Star Wars, uh, um, Drance was making the point. They're like, you know what? Star Wars is a big world. And I, I, my initial reaction was like, you know what? Star Wars exists to tell the story of Luke Skywalker in those three movies. It's got a beginning and an arc and an end and we should leave it at that i believe i i completely agree that the universe is uh an exciting and an enticing premise and there's a lot there but it exists to tell the stories and it can't be a coherent whole without those stories holding it together i would compare given that where do we feel given the way the mandalorian has gone well, here, here's my comparison: is to George Lucas's good personal friend uh, Francis Ford Coppola with the Godfather movies, right? Like, yeah. and, and obviously, I mean, let's just face it. I think we say this every. I think I bring it up every time we do one of these Star Wars spectaculars. These are kids' movies, so let's you yeah. know. And and a lot of this grown men arguing about Star Wars stuff it, it can can 
you know, often you can pop a bubble by just saying, remember, these are for kids. And they yeah, are. There's a reason we do this around Christmas and they come out around Christmas. But it uh, is a Christmas present to all of us. Like, but the, the yeah. original trilogy was for everybody, as, well, as Wave would say of Pixar movies. They're but, not for kids. They're but, for sure. everybody. But Fair he, he, Hey, Wave. <laughs> but that's part of what made the original Star Wars movie so... Uh, it, honestly, I, I don't know how else to say it other than a sort of religious experience for me and my friends growing up, and that we we talked about it the way that like people of generations past would talk about like their actual religion. Right. But the, but the thing that made it so fantastic to me was that it was obviously made so seriously. Like the story wasn't serious. The dialogue, famously, is. <laughs> Harrison Ford said to George Lucas, George, you can't say this shit. I love that guy. I mean, so close, old man. So uh, close. I, but but the production value. You can't write it. this shit. You can't say it. Right. You can write getting it. Getting closer, getting warmer. What was it? All right, correct. George, me. you can write this shit, but you can't say it. That's my uh, guess as the right. third old man. All right. That sounds right. <laughs> and it, it also it, – that well, it, that sounds better, so we'll let that stand. But the, it, so much work went into it, and it was so palpable, right? The 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 famous opening shot, right away, just boom. What a seriously, maybe arguably the best opening shot of any movie ever made, and it just immediately emphasized this is going to look real. This looks like a massive yeah. of kilometers long starship chasing a little guy and you could you could just tell by the architecture of the ships even though they didn't really cheat who was the good guy who's the bad guy right uh it just the the amount of design right and maybe you know if there's anything i've been obsessed with my entire life it's design like the amount of design right. that went into this movie for kids whereas almost all this stuff that was made for kids when i grew up was clearly garbage just like Blah, this is terrible. Like even Disney started making animated movies where they just cheaped out on the frame rate and the style. And, and it's like, you know, like uh, 101 Dalmatians and, and some of those movies of that era, they, they weren't even well animated. You know, it's like they, it was like, ah, it's just for kids. Why spend all the money to, to do it right? Star Wars had this attitude that kids deserve the highest possible uh, production values and special effects and articulation of the models and and just just developing this whole world. I appreciated that so much. The Godfather sort of had that for gangster movies. Here's this whole world that was brought. It was it was so visceral. People still talk about it to this day. Like if if in some alternate universe, George Lucas had just locked locked the box after 1983, and there had never been another Star Wars movie or TV show, and he just still just had the rights the way that Coppola has to The Godfather, we would still be talking. We wouldn't be having the Star Wars Holiday Spectacular right now every year, but we would still talk about those three Star Wars movies the way people talk about The Godfather movies. And and it would still be a thing. And that's sort of what I wanted. Like as a young kid, I, I was – I certainly wasn't allowed I, – I, I wasn't allowed and I – had no interest in watching the Godfather movies at that age, but I treated the Star Wars movies that way. And even as like a 10 year old sort of had feelings about the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi that are sort of like people's comments on the Godfather part three, which is 
now. And, you know, again, similar, we could do a whole show on the similarities, the way that Coppola keeps going back to the Godfather movies, the way Lucas couldn't keep his goddamn hands off the <laughs> Star Wars movies. Well, well, here's where they diverge, though, because like the you mentioned the gangster movies, like uh, organized crime movies and gangster movies, obviously existed before The Godfather. The Godfather put a stake in the ground and said, "No, no, right. this is this is how you do this." But right. the universe, like the universe of Italian American organized crime, was not a universe created by Francis Ford Coppola. It was like a right. real world thing, right? So if he, you know, if he, you know, just locked the box on the Godfather trilogy, he can't contain the universe because organized crime is a thing and here's what we got if you know because that's not his box to lock up he's got those characters in that story but the setting continues to exist then you get goodfellas which is kind of like saying well star wars was locked up but the star wars universe is available for someone else to pick up the ball and say i can make a gangster movie i can make a star wars movie and then they make goodfellas and goodfellas is amazing and i would not want to live in a world without it and i feel like Not allowing other people to make things in the Star Wars universe would be like not allowing anyone to make any more gangster movies after The Godfather Part Two. I think that last is a jump. I do. I I'm not sure I disagree with you, but I'm not sure that I can totally get on board with that either. Yeah, because uh, where, where do you put all the Battlestar Galacticas and the right? Uh, I love Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I, me too. I'm but sure, it wasn't yeah. in the Star Wars universe, right? No, Force, but I mean, it exists because it was pushed out of the Star Wars universe, right? And I don't know if you noticed, but the Mandalorian has a bunch of Cylons coming and picking up baby Yoda. Those are Cylons, come on. Oh, come on. Man. Those are from Dark Forces. We'll get there. It's a, we're we're all we're only an hour in. Okay. Come on. But there I I I agree and I disagree. I I kind of see it where Star Wars carved out this weird genre that wasn't just space opera shoot 'em up with laser guns and spaceships and but it was a very specific version of it right like with right. lightsabers yeah. and they, they the, made yeah and they made a universe the right. star wars universe is distinct from the buck rogers universe right. or the oh, yeah. star galactic universe even though they both look like they're space and have ilm spaceships right because right. it's this weird meld of space opera that is a lot like on the surface, and if you don't really pay attention, it is a lot like Battlestar Galactica or any of these. I mean, other the, I mean the same the same yeah. ILM people made the ships in Battlestar Galactica. That's right. why it looks well. So wait, similar, so right? wait, the, specifically the Galactica thing I meant is the uh, dark troopers look like Cylons. Yeah, that's I, know. That's, I know. That's, I know that's kind of. Uh, I, I know. I know. I, know. I just want to delineate that for <laughs> people who may think that I'm. Um, with a very broad brush. Uh, I'm, I'm really now, not. Now that we're talking about the Godfather and Star Wars, it, it occurs to me that, like, you know, the thing we always talk about with Star Wars, you know, what, what defines the Star Wars universe? It was like the right. dirty used future, right? right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the Star Wars, first Star Wars movie came out in the 70s. Every Everything on screen in the movies in, in the 70s was dirty. You know, it was like dirty New York City. It was like, you know, right. from the, the Godfather, you know, taxi driver, you know, just like. But the, I think the that's, whole, the, that's the brilliance of it, right? It, it was it's of like, its time, let's, let's but it was, take a it was future. a space movie with film grain and dirt from the 70s. No, because it's it's not an affectation. It's yeah, no, not. it was authentically. It's, it's, it, was, it came by it honestly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it came by it honestly. He's hanging out with a bunch of really nitty-gritty uh, <laughs> film people who did a lot of really nitty-gritty stuff. But but he's also the guy who made American Graffiti, so you, it ends up right. being that dirty 70s, but with uh, but with a plucky space hero, blonde right. blonde boy from Tatooine. But there's but, the insight. That's what we should be celebrating. It's like, well, what if I take the future and do it the same way? What if I treat the future as human as I, as, as right. human and humanely as I treat 
the current. And what if I talk about the future Nazis as uh, an analog? Like, why don't, why don't I do the classic sci-fi thing, which is talk about something that's horrific and horrible and, and despicable and project them in a light that is uh, apropos for the time and maybe a little bit advanced in it. I'm going to couch them in laser beams. And that is that is the value of that's why THX one one three eight was a nice draft and Star Wars worked. And I think it worked because it had it played on that same notion and it dragged the future down to earth and it made sci fi a, a thing that felt real. Like you could reach out and touch a droid. You could touch R2D2. You could touch them. Certainly, the Millennium Falcon. Uh, Chewbacca was your pet dog. You could do this, and yet it it was divorced enough from reality to l- help land uh, the the narrative, the points, the 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 perspective that it wanted to convey. Now, sure, Nazis are bad. I, I hope everybody got that from Star Wars. I'm not sure they did. Based on the internet, apparently not everybody. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I mean, that was that was that was the point, right? And uh, and I liked it. And I admire it. And I think that's why it is so. Uh, it still sticks with us so much. Like that that lived in universe. Lived in is a word that means that we can inhabit it. I I think basically I I. I'm convinced. I, I, the more we talk about it, I'm convinced that there were only two right ways to handle this. One would have been yeah, that there was good, the good way and the wrong way. Well, That's going to work out right, man. If anything, if anything, Star Wars has taught us there's light and bad and everything for, else. For Lucas to have made one trilogy, Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi. I thought it was so awesome. It was so freaking great as a kid when they renumbered them and, and, and Empire, instead of being Star Wars 2, was Episode 5. And it just hinted at this greater story. Hey. But what if he'd never gone back? It, it, in some ways, there is, there's an ineffable awesomeness to the, if, to the fact that if the only three Star Wars pieces that ever existed were Episodes 4, 5, and 6, and that was it. Or if you're going to start making more, I think the way that Disney is handling it now is the way to do it and to give people uh enough star wars so that if a totally just a truly bad movie comes out like solo i mean would you guys watch that i mean uh, uh, it's, i do I, not i would not call solo a truly bad movie we differ there very strongly you, okay well i thought it was horrible i thought it, i thought it was, I'm, 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 I'm in the middle the rise of Skywalker? come on <laughs> Ooh, i thought i okay i think i think, I think rise of Skywalker made, versus solo which one is better Solo. I th- I would rather watch the Rise of Skywalker again. Oh my goodness! You need to watch Solo again. I think your memory yeah. is warped. Of I I remain a big fan of the Last Jedi. If anything, I've grown more fond of it over the years. Well, here's my problem with these things, and 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 to compare them with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, my least favorite Marvel movies, and I I think that that the whole Marvel thing has been great. I love these movies. Uh, you know, even the ones that I'm not the biggest that I don't love the most, I still enjoy watching them all. I love the way they string together. 
the ones that I like the least are the Avenger movies, and especially the last few with the the big guy with the magic and game infinite war the, yeah. the guy with the big and that's it, awesome man yeah it's Thanos because because it's like they're trying to make this thing that's even bigger than a two hour blockbuster movie right they're making like this like what's even bigger than just regular old just Captain America, like the first Captain America movie, which was a swell movie and just just uh, not my favorite. I'm, I like the Iron Man movies better. The Iron Man ones were my sweet spot. Okay. But, you know, I, the Captain America was never my favorite hero either, you know. But they played him straight. They did a good job. But they tell a story and it's sort of a movie the way you think of a movie, whereas the, the Avenger ones are – and I know this gets tossed about a, a lot uh, – like the Scorsese line about all of these movies about them that they're like theme park attractions or something, but yeah. the the Avenger movies like the Endgame ones they really are like two and a half hour nonstop roller coaster rides where it's just this nonstop blur and there's so many you know even you could say well wow two and a half hours is a long time for a movie or a long time for a podcast but it's like they were <laughs> trying to cram in what easily seemed like it could be like a season of 12 hour long episodes of a show into 2 hours right and and, and like at a pace that makes it feel like a two and a half hour trailer for something even bigger where you get to fill in all these gaps and and then inevitably everybody's there's 40 different people punching each other all at the same time and that's it and and it's like that's just uh i i there's only so much of that i can take and to me the the rise of skywalker had a, a feel of that where it's just they're just mashing things together and all of a sudden they're here and all of a sudden they're there and all of a sudden, the emperor's back, and uh, there you are. Syracuse, if you, want, if you want a simple story with a clear character and arc and a series of events that culminates in a satisfying way, you should check out Solo. Ah, no, terrible. <laughs> okay, okay, let's just let Solo go. Let's let it go. We didn't convene right. to discuss that. Uh, interestingly, I in a way think you're right is Star Wars fighting with the MCU in terms of like the you know the the grandioseness like the the, I I think I think the original plan was very different from the MCU but that's the plan that they abandoned the original plan of we're going to have a a trilogy with with standalone movies in between that's nothing like the MCU the MCU was we're going to have 12 movies and they're all going to be loosely connected and they're going to be all over the map and then we're going to have sequels to some of the movies within those 12 and those are connected more tightly like that's totally different star wars like look we're the trilogy company we do trilogy yeah we did one good trilogy we did a crappy trilogy we're gonna try to do another good one and we'll have these standalones in between and, they, and i feel like they just kind of lost their nerve like solo's incredible failure in the market scared the hell out of them and everyone just ran for the hills and and now the new strategy is we could try doing tv shows which I mean, I think the previous strategy could have worked. I don't like it. Would be like Marvel giving up after Thor two and saying we've got to scrap this whole plan. Right. There's no, there's no way we're going to make twelve movies that culminated in a big Avengers movie. That's just not going to happen. Give up on it, right? So I think yeah. Disney lost its nerve. But fine, whatever. They scrap that plan and they're onto a new plan, which is umpteen TV shows. And I'm hoping this will keep the scaredy cats from bailing because it's like ah, you make a bad TV show, you make a bad episode of a TV show, you keep trying. It's lower stakes. We got the streaming service. They cost less money. You know, like you can have 
a satisfying conclusion to a, you know, eight episode, uh, you know, series. It's easier than to try to like, like John just said, to try to cram the culmination of 12 other movies into a single movie. You mm-hmm. can have a 12 episode season and have a satisfying season finale. And then if you can have a season after that, right? Like TV takes the pressure off and gives you more room to breathe and relax. Now, if Mandalorian had turned out to be a, a, like a dud in the market, what are they going to do? Scrap that plan and come up with another one? I feel like they need to get a little backbone at, uh, at Disney and, and figure out what they can do with this very valuable property. Mm. Yeah, except they hit it out of the park with Mandalorian. And uh, to John's point, maybe, uh, since he's a bit of a degenerate gambler, uh, I don't gamble. That big... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I invest in sports projections. I'm sorry. I've been right next to you when you didn't gamble. Um, is is moving, and, and it feels like if uh, Disney is on the balls of their feet playing volleyball or whatever the hell, or tennis, for, for the sake of Syracuse, uh they're ready to move quickly. Have they switched to TV rather than movies? And if so, are they making smaller bets rather than just trying to uh, like smash it into the ground and, and score some easy points? Are, are they are they understanding that like okay, we've got to play in a media environment that maybe we didn't plan before because we were Star Wars, and now we're going to have to do these shows that are frankly as good as Game of Thrones, I think, at least in terms of getting attention and production quality. Is is that the plan? It, but it, slightly it, more kid-friendly. I mean, but they're still making right. movies. Oh, slightly <laughs> more? Slightly more? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I didn't watch Game of Thrones for the first year and a half because the very first episode saw <laughs> a child thrown out of a window, incest, uh prostitutes having sex in a barn with it uh it was not good it was like hey how much hbo can we stick into one hour yeah we've got all of the hbo and it felt i felt insulted by it i'm like look i don't know thrones credit they didn't just put that in the first episode to to get people into the series it was there the whole time (laughs) i know they kept rolling with it and and i went back uh like our friend chris parish was like no you've just got to stick to it and i did and it was better and you had but i still you. never got over that like okay look you're definitely trying to hbo the crap out of me uh is is the mandalorian i don't even know they're definitely not trying to hbo the crap out of you they're defining what disney plus is and i like it so far is that a pivot is that an abdication of like look we can't make it on the big screen in trilogies anymore because that world has passed. No, no, I think they're just rebooting the movie thing, but they're taking a long break to rethink the movie thing. And in the meantime, you can't let this just, the stuff just sit there, which is this, this is the benefit right. of not having it owned by one person who's going to get burned out and has to have a good thing for 16 years, right? right. It's a whole company there. Plenty of creative people who are, who are willing to do stuff in this area. So while the movie stuff is on hiatus and being sorted out because you know, how many different movie rumors have we heard it's speaking of, of game of thrones the game of thrones guys were going to do a trilogy someone else right. is going to get a trilogy ryan johnson yeah. is going to get a trilogy and like who knows what's happening now the movie stuff is like we're rethinking it but in the meantime here's a bunch of tv series some of which are properties that were previously rumored to be movies and 
we can do the TV stuff now because it's it's lower stakes. Right. It's cheaper. You can you can put them out incrementally. Uh, it it's a good fit for our current COVID times rather than movies. And so this is all. It's a it's a strategy shift. And like I said, I don't I don't think they should have bailed on the movie one. They just did it badly. But one mis- you shouldn't just give up after one mistake. But it turned out to, I, I think be advantageous because. Marvel having a bunch of movies in the can is really not helping them right now. Like that Black Widow movie was done like a year ago, and they're yeah. still just holding yeah. on to it, right? So yeah, I'd feel bad for out. Scarlett Johansson if she wasn't Scarlett Johansson. Like, yeah. not, not but, that but anyway. she's wrong in any way, but it's like, come on, she's fine. It's it's not a big deal. But yeah, I, uh, I, yeah that's been in the bank for like what a year and a half. Like it yeah. feels it feels like a long time. It's, it's a good thing that that uh, we know people who worked really hard to get that thing finished on time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you you don't know. Hey. Hello. I I like it and I feel like one of the things that, that the Mandalorian is helping to sort of define is what does it mean to be a show, you know, and and um it, I forget what Kotki has called them, but you know like super movies or mega movies or something like that, but to to consider a show like The Sopranos um it, it w- you can't say that it's less of an artistic achievement or has lower artistic goals no. than a a motion picture. It's it's of that quality, and there's so many shows that have come out in the years since you know that are similar. You know, and and if anything, are more more adult story driven, more like a you know the 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 character development and plot development of something meant for adults as opposed to motion pictures which you know the, theatrical motion pictures which have really they have they've moved more towards a theme park style attraction level of and you know it's partly the international market that you well, can't it have depends on the movie I think I think about. it's you're, you're getting ahead, to my thesis statement, though. My, I came into this with a thesis statement about New Mandalorian. You just came very close to it. So my my statement, because I thought, silly me, I thought we were going to talk about season two of The Mandalorian. I'm like, well, <laughs> we we'll are. We're getting about, there. We'll probably talk about season two. But let me have something to say about season one. Here's here's my thought on that, right? Um, television, uh, John just talked about it. You know, television in, our, in recent years, like there is a dividing line where sort of the, the start of what we call prestige TV, Sopranos, those type of HBO shows that were more sophisticated, more ambitious and artful than TV had been before. We all kind of know what the, you know, has all sorts of different names that we can, whether it was Sopranos. Golden Age of TV, Sopranos, The Wire, past 10, 15, 20 years. Things you couldn't do on network television weren't as formulaic, were more sophisticated, more adult views of human interactions where characters did things and had emotions that were not explicable at the at the most el- elementary level where it's like well there's a good guy and a bad guy and he's mean and he's angry and he's sad it's like way more complicated than that i i, I go back to the sopranos because it's such a great example if you look at the i mean obviously there are cartoonish characters in the sopranos but the main characters and their their actions and emotions and situation is way more complicated than as there's a you know a first level a second level a third level text subtext is just much more sophisticated, right? So right. that is the you know the the big turn that television has taken in our lifetime. Into that, we drop you know oh we're gonna now we're gonna do Star Wars on TV. One way they could have gone with Star Wars on TV is let's make a sophisticated adult 
version of Star Wars. And in some respects, the movies are like that. I go back to The Force Awakens, which is a straightforward Star Wars story that hits all the beats that yeah. you would expect, but it takes itself seriously and it tries to do serious stuff um, in a way that you would expect from a movie, right? But television pre, you know, pre the golden age of TV, pre Sopranos, pre Prestige TV, didn't do that. Like, if you had Star Wars on television, it's the Ewok adventure, which is less sophisticated than the original trilogy. It's simpler, it's sillier, it's more pat, it's for television, right? Um, but when they came to television with season one of The Mandalorian, I think they did something interesting, which is they didn't make Star Wars on TV so it looks like Game of Thrones or uh, or The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or any of that modern prestige TV. What they did was they made a, a television show that held on to the, I don't know, not the innocence, not the simplicity, the but like, like they they made a TV, they made a television show that that had. This is going to sound bad, and it's going to sound like I'm a trash can show, but I'm not. It was less sophisticated than yes. the adult fancy television shows in prestige TV. It was structured more like, you know, a Western with a single silent character episodes with not a lot of dialogue, a very simple story, fairly straightforward motivation, hints at lore, a slow pace. It wasn't a million characters. It wasn't like you couldn't figure out what was motivating anybody. There was no deep angst or anguish that was constantly on screen. It was everything was subtle, calm, simple, mm -hmm. understandable, parsable, and in a way that I think, subconsciously or not, made people feel comfortable with the show. I mean, it was a, it was a show of its time, and it was good for its time. As in, we wanted more Star Wars. We didn't need it to be like the Avengers. We also didn't want it to be like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. We were we were ready. It was it was the right show at the right time. We were ready for Star Wars. It looks familiar. But it's not going to overwhelm you with 5,000 characters and tons of lore right. and, you know, a bunch of, you know, darkness and, you know, terrible gore and violence and just it was it was a breath of fresh air. And, and I think they found like it depends on what you like. If you want something that's much more sophisticated, Mandalorian isn't it. The Mandalorian, I don't think is I think is as simple and straightforward as the original Star Wars. It's less sophisticated right. yeah. than Empire Strikes Back. Right. Oh, definitely. So. But, uh, Anyway, I, that, that, that was my thesis, and then I feel like season two is a good contrast to season one. But I think that decision right. for this specific show doesn't mean that's their whole TV strategy, but that decision for this specific show was very sh smart and I think is part of the reason The Mandalorian has had such a positive reaction. I, I agree almost entirely, and I agree, I think, more than you suspect, because I think think you struggled with the word sophistication and you see it as being an antonym for simplicity and i don't think it is i think the mandalorian is a sophisticated show and it is expressed through its simplicity but it's not sophisticated in terms of like uh adult character adult, uh, adult weird no adult no it's and emotions not. in relationship right. i mean right. it's the no we but have I, an apple angle here that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication right right uh, sure but, no but, i'm not i'm yeah. not trying to i'm not sitting in an all white room here uh but what i'm what i guess uh what i'm suggesting is that um you get the sense when watching the mandalorian that they have considered that and they have rejected it rather than Hey, we're just doing a dumb show. Yeah, and and the, it's, and the thing and, they and, did and is do that, that like it is a it is a considered simplicity, 
rather than one that's yeah. just born out of like, well, we don't know how to do anything else. Especially in season one, because it's such right. a clear, in season one, it's such a clear homage to the, Very lone, much so. the lone silent gunman in yep. a Western type environment, which is itself a fairly sophisticated form. Exactly. It just strikes us in this modern era, like, really? You're going to have like three, the first three episodes, the guy's going to have like seven lines? Like, yeah. is, this the, is this the show? And it's yeah. so shocking compared to like, the television shows that are trying to be the Avengers writ small, right. where it's got to be tons of characters and action and, you know, like, right. think of all the superhero right. shows on TV, right? I, I just watched uh, Wonder Woman 84 twice in I'm sorry. 24 hours. Oh my I God. know. It, I, well, I, I had to, well, I didn't have to. I, I got to talk to Don Moran and John Moles about it. I'd rather, today. I'd rather watch the Star Wars. I, I, swear, I swear to God, I swear to God 2020 is the year of Pedro Pascal being a dad, and, and it's weird. <laughs> Uh, he's good and bad, turns out. Um, the f- sophistication of The Mandalorian is that it appreciates the sophistication of, of everything that's gone before it, and it adopts that the same way that Star Wars uh, Episode Four adopted the basics. This was the 70s. All of his contemporaries were doing really pretty deep work, and Lucas went off and made a crazy space cowboy movie and it worked. And I think that's a little bit of the essence that's being brought forward into, into the Mandalorian is that I don't think you can riff on things without knowing where you're coming from. Right. That's, 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 that's the story as old as the hills. But I, and I do think that Mandalorian, especially season one knew exactly what it was doing. And I think season two has, growing and is building towards something else let me take a break we have one more sponsor and it's also it it can coincide with the first spoiler break and we'll just say after we come back from the sponsor break there there will almost certainly i i plan to spoil (laughs) lots of stuff from mandalorian so up until now i think somebody who is only mandalorian curious could have listened to us and uh, perhaps we've given them a taste after this break spoilers free we're not and there's no need for any of us to preface them um but let me thank our our second sponsor here it's our good friends it feels f-e-a-l-s do you experience stress having anxiety or chronic pain trouble sleeping at night uh, once a week maybe more you're not alone many people do Feels is a premium CBD product that gets delivered directly to your doorstep. It naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. All you do, you take a couple drops. It comes with the free droplet dropper thing. You put them underneath your tongue. You can feel the difference within minutes. If you're new to CBD, Feels offers a free CBD hotline, text message support if you'd rather just text somebody instead of call them. And they will help guide your experience, tell you what to buy, what you should what you should order. It works naturally to help you feel better. There is no high, no hangover, nothing like that. Uh, you, and you can become a member. This is the thing they have. They've got a membership program. You can sign up as a member. You get it delivered to your door every month. And you save money by becoming a member. But you can pause or cancel if you're unhappy at any time. No questions asked. F-E-A-L-S, feels.com slash talk show is where you go. And when you go to that uh, website, feels.com slash talk show, you get 50% off your first order and free shipping. 50% off and free shipping. It's a great deal just for listeners of this show. So go to feels.com slash talk show and become a member and you get 50% taken off 
with free shipping. Um, I don't think that the, the the first episode, I went back and watched it again. They couldn't more, I, I don't know what they could have done in the first episode of The Mandalorian to more dramatically say this is Western inspired than if they had put a cowboy hat on top of The Mandalorian. But yeah, I mean, it, it they, the, they the, needed one of those squid face guys. Right. With the a first scene. Hat. The first scene is a lone gunslinger coming in into a saloon, or you know, I guess in the Star Wars universe we call them canteens, cantinas. Uh, he jangles as he walks, like he has spurs. It's you know, it could not be more Western. But part of what makes a Western a Western isn't that it takes place in the U.S. West. It, it's about the pace, you know, and letting things breathe. And that to me is what's missing in like the modern blockbuster movie. And what makes the Mandalorian to me so delightful is that you could just have extended sequences in a cockpit of a janky spaceship. And instead of just cutting to, okay, cut to where they're flying to just have a whole scene in the cockpit where, where characters talk and it, stuff happens and you learn things and people say things and, and you breathe the moment or, you know, like you said about the first star Wars, like what a weird movie. The first star Wars is there's like a five, 10 minute stretch where you just follow a trash can robot going around the desert while weird, weird little, little people in robes with red eyes try to steal them. You know, it, it, it's a very strangely paced movie that worked and the Mandalorian, it's not strangely paced, but it, it breathes it. And the other thing is it's to put it in computer terms, it's single threaded, right? It, it there's, you know, and, and so one of the star Wars isms, the famous wipes, you know, that, that go between, you know, Oh, this group's over on Dagobah and this group of characters is on Bespin and we wipe as we cut between them. It's single threaded. You don't have to worry about that. It's just, here's the Mandalorian and, and what he's going after him. That's it. One of the great tropes of a Star Wars movie is probably from uh, Jedi, where it's the it's the triple assault, right? Like you got land, spare uh, land, space, and uh, a Jedi trying to chop somebody up. <laughs> and well, that's basically it. You know what I mean? And uh, I uh, I think the best ex- execution of that was honestly Rogue One. I, I loved that uh, that space and ground combat was was brilliant, and Mandalorian keeps it so tight. When he's fighting one ATST, that's bananas. It is it is mind blowing. Like, oh my god, this thing's just going to murder everybody. It's a crazy thing. There's a village here, basically unarmed people, and this is a tank. How do we take out the tank? That. It's the kind of stakes that I really appreciate from from the show. I, I really, really do love it. Uh, season one, I think, was amazing. In some ways, I fear, and Syracuse, I don't know how you feel about this, uh, it felt like a training series of levels for a video game that we're now just starting to play in season two. Where now you got dark troopers and now you got like 
you've leveled up a little bit. Well, now you got more money. I mean, yeah. well, you got more money. You've got a jetpack. You've got like yeah. you've got stuff to play with. Because the Mandalorian, like this is the first go. Is this going to work? Are people going to like it? Or is it right. going to land like Solo did? Right? right. So you don't put all the money into it. You do the best you can. You do things on the cheap if you can with the big volume. Right. Save money where you can. Uh, indulge. Indulge the people who want to make actual physical models because whatever, right? But in general, like, I'm not saying that that's why it was a simple story. It's clear that they wanted to do what they did, but it's also clear that, like, money was tight enough that it, it had to be one at ST because you couldn't have an army of them, right? And season two, right. you know, we've got a hit on our hands. It's not like they really changed that. It was still single thread at each episode. The Mandalorian goes to a place, meets some people, does some things. It's not like there's suddenly 100 people, you know in flight at the same time and armies clashing and so it's still a very personal and private story but in season two you can see oh there's a lot more ships uh oh they can have you know more you know more than one action episode right the the action episodes or the scenes of action within the episodes became more populous and frankly better right so you know in in season one you had him hanging off the side of the you know the sand crawler and everything right in season two you had like legit space battles you had space ice spiders right you had you know, assaults on bases with all sorts of things. And well, Ahsoka Tano, you would not have done that in season one because I don't think you had the the knowledge, the institutional knowledge to, to pull that off well. Yeah, and, and to you have, have a bunch of like, ma- You a need bunch to know how the volume works. You need to yeah. know how everything works. You need to know how to light those swords. You need to know how to do a bunch of stuff about it. Uh, well, did, did you guys watch the cartoons? Uh, so I did because I yeah. had, you know... A, I think the last time we were on, John and I were imploring you to watch the old Samurai Jack animated one. Oh, I did watch those too, and yeah. they were they were they're so much better than than they sound. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But the the problem I had all along with the Clone Wars uh, was that so many every season, so many of the episodes were just like, and it's so weird because it's like with a regular sitcom growing up you know, like an episode of different strokes. It's like, you've got a cast, you've got a set, somebody writes a script and, you know, they're not all going to be good. And, but <laughs> I feel like that's the song to the facts of life, but they all you got you a know, cast. You got, <laughs> you've got cameras, you've got crew and you film the episode and there's 20, 21 episodes a season. And, you know, a bunch of them are sort of phoned in and that's it. But like with an animated series, everything has to be drawn. It just seems like such a waste to it. It seems like there's clearly more work being put into making these episodes than the writing. You know, there were just so many episodes that were like, "Why? Why was that even a show? That was that was terrible." Well, I mean, so those th- the the Clone Wars and Rebels and those type of shows, they were not above doing. I thought you were going to say in terms of sitcoms, they were not above doing the and everything resets. Right? Yeah, yeah. They right, would do yeah. a monster of yeah, the week. Right. They would do a land on a planet, have a local problem, maybe hit one or two character notes for a development, but otherwise we can mostly forget that that episode happened and it moves on. But the yeah, thing right. is, Clone Wars and Rebels didn't forget that those episodes happened. And very often, at the end of the season or even in a future season, hey, remember that planet that you landed right. on when that thing happened? Here's that person from that planet again, right? So it wasn't as sort of episodic as like a 70s right. sitcom, but it right. also wasn't like The Mandalorian where it's literally like, there were, you know, The Mandalorian is episodic, but we're following this guy and he's doing a thing, right? right? He's on a quest, he makes progress on his quest. He has sidetracks or whatever, but like, and I think a lot of it was because those shows. First of all, they had way more seasons, and second, yeah. those were definitely more targeted at kids who 
would like the episode where you go on the funny planet and deal with the thing and could handle like small character development between Ahsoka and Anakin in this one episode. But mostly it's about whatever this monster of the week was. Um, it, and it's it's the same creative team. Like it's Filoni and everything. Like, well, not the exact same creative team, but a lot of the same creative team doing this. And I think season two of The Mandalorian reminds me a lot more of the 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 rhythm and pacing of Rebels and later Clone Wars than does same. season one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I, I think the other advantage that they have now, and, and it also showed to me in the, in the Clone Wars with, and it wasn't, it, it was that they, they clearly had their purview of what can you do within this period of time with these characters. You yeah. Know? I mean, they were, they were hemmed in. They had, they had Anakin, right. Obi-Wan, like, you know, you don't, you have limited flexibility, you know, you're bookended. Right. And, you know, the, the next, you know, the, the, uh, Revenge of the Sith is going to be Lucas's thing. And the Clone Wars movie was already made. And so you, you know, you've just got this interstitial thing and you can't really change the greater world. And, but yet we want you to make 40 or 50 of these episodes. What are you going to do? And and they also weren't playing with minor characters, right? And that to me is part, uh, you know, it's not like the Mandalorian hasn't touched major characters, but by making the primary character not one of the, you know, it's the opposite direction of Solo, right? They took like arguably right. the most beloved hero from the original trilogy and made a whole movie just about his backstory. Here with the Mandalorian, they just took created an all new character who exists on the outside of this realm in a period of time where it's all sort of undefined and by not making it about one of the main characters there's so much more uh, freedom to me like and it, you know right I, like they, they learned the lesson of Ahsoka, ah- Ahsoka and the and the clone troopers, none of which were characters in right. the in the Star Wars prequels, right? Right. Uh, and and now the most valuable properties to come out of Clone Wars is not Anakin and Obi Wan, although right. they are doing an Obi Wan show, but like, but Ahsoka is going to get her own show, and the clone the, the the clone troopers that we care about, fives and you know all the like the, they're they were characters made out of nothing for the Clone Wars, and those are the most valuable things to come out of it. And yes. Obi-Wan and Anakin march through it, and Ahsoka played off Anakin in an important way. But that's, I mean, if, if it, think of it this way. If Clone Wars had not introduced those new characters, but merely had Obi-Wan and Anakin marching through the story with minor characters bouncing off them, it wouldn't have been nearly as good. Yeah, o- Obi-Wan's the Miles O'Brien of Star Wars. In that, that guy's just in everything. And he's kind of underappreciated in most of it. Uh, I suppose my question is what what's what's the I guess don't worry guy we'll what, edit we'll edit this out No no I'm tr- I'm trying to formulate this in in a in a in a careful way um right. what's the value of having them be this episodic approach as opposed to trying to wrap it up in a movie, which I, I think tries to get to your, your thesis. Uh, there's certainly less risk. There's less on the line. We get to explore more common ideas, but ultimately 
is there value to explore this universe that was made in in imaginations from so many people over the you know over the basically the course of our lifetimes or is it to tell a story and if it's to tell a story what's that story if we're willing to just discard some episodes and be like uh whatever we're moving on and it's more of a situational storytelling uh endeavor rather than a narrative storytelling endeavor uh i hope that makes sense sorry i, I, I was trying to formulate that carefully because i think there's a distinction there there's does the world exist to explore or does the world exist to tell the story? Well, I think that's one of the mistakes that the most recent movie trilogy made was the movie trilogies, as as established by the original trilogies, have always existed to tell a specific story, which the original trilogy did so well and so, right. so coherently, right? Um, and arguably, even though the prequels are terrible, they also told a story we know sure. what the story is they did it very badly but it's there all right yep. um this the third trilogy didn't seem to nail down its story right. at the start so it yeah it, it didn't I feel three standalone movies that. like yeah. they are connected to each other but they're connected to each other in a wavy line that just doesn't terminate in a satisfying way, right. as we've established. And that was a big mistake, because what we're not looking for is, oh, here's three new adventures in the Star Wars universe. Because you look at the, the you know, seven, eight, and nine, you're like, but you were supposed to be telling a story, and you kind of flubbed that, right? So that's what I think the trilogy movies are doing. But writ large, I think, this, as I said before, the Star Wars universe exists as a fertile place where you can, where anybody can tell the story that they want to tell. Like on a Passing Comparable episode, I was, you know, many, many moons ago, I was saying, if someone wants to make a horror movie in the Star Wars universe, let them. Go for it, right? Like, mm -hmm. Star Wars is not a genre, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of creative works, right? right. If you want, you know, we already did the this, this Skywalker thing, and I feel like, fine, leave that alone, right? But... There are tons of new stories you can tell in this universe, and it can still be Star Wars because the universe is well-established, and it will inflect your story. That's what's interesting about it. It's like telling a love story in, you know, Japan with samurai, right? Right. Love story is the genre. Japan with samurai is the setting. You can do that, and it's cool and interesting, right? So I say, you know, when people are, are going to do something, I'm going to make a TV series. I'm going to make a single movie. I'm going to make a trilogy of movies. Those people should have stories they want to tell, whether it's a standalone love story or a set of three movies that connect in an arc, whatever it is, they have a story they want to tell, and they feel like this story can be best told in the Star Wars universe. That's what they're doing. But Star Wars, as a franchise, I feel like exists for anybody who has a good story to tell that fits into the Star Wars universe to tell it. I, I, I love that. Uh, so... And this is very, very, very reductive. But should I put you in the column of more TV shows and fewer movies, or or what? Like, what's your? Where do you fall on that spectrum? My, Would so you like my, more experimentation with lower stakes or swings of? For the fences, basically. Uh, my what I would personally prefer, which is not perhaps the thing that the you know Disney Corporation should do, is sure. I like trilogy movies that tell a story. That is a that is a Star Wars format that I enjoy. So if I Same. could only pick one thing that could be Star Wars, I would say get someone to make a new Star Wars trilogy of movies and have it actually be a sensible story and do a really good job in it. That's my personal taste, but whatever, right? But I also love TV shows and watch a ton of them. Now, my personal taste in TV shows 
does go much more towards the, you know, Breaking Bad, The Wire, Better Call, terrible, depressing, dark, (laughs) quote unquote, adult. But I mean that in the not the sexy times way of adult. I mean, like adult as in. Again, I'm going to use the term sophisticated, but it's wrong. Like, And it's not that I don't like the simple no, stories. No, adult in the way that Idris Elba's yelling at a guy for taking notes during a criminal fucking conspiracy. <laughs> that's not adult. That's, that's funny. Or that you I, can, know. You can... it's, I know it's not adult, but it's that. It's like, come on. Like, yeah. That's, like, like, that's like the things... thing that's – that is a but, hilarious but if, scene. If I, look but... at the, if I look at the television shows that I watch and enjoy, a lot of them right. most people would look at as very dark and depressing. Right. Sure. But yeah. I don't think that's the right choice for Star Wars, which is why, like, like I, I think there's room for that to be in Star Wars, but that would be the wrong move to come out with a Star Wars show like that, right? So, I certainly will not put up with the Mandalorian or even Boba Fett torturing people. I don't. I don't. Or, want that. I mean, see, look, and, and I think they reformed Boba Fett like, a little bit in this. It doesn't have to season. be in terms of personal violence or sex or anything like that. Even just in terms of like. Having characters on the show who have so much inner mental turmoil that they are they make self destructive choices, right? I mean, think of something right, like right, well, right. I, it's hard to think of because any show that has stuff like that also ends up having like sex and violence, right? But like Breaking Bad, I mean, a lot of the characters in Breaking yeah. Bad have problems in their relationships and with themselves and others. But then Breaking Bad also has tons of horrible violence and stuff. Arguably, so, Han Solo was looking to get murdered in. Star Wars, the initial one, right? Like but, he's, but that's, he's but that's down not on the his right, luck. Yeah, but that's he's not, not the looking right tone. to get murdered, but he's he's willing to just do whatever it takes, right? Yeah, but but that's not the right tone for that that story that was being told. That's what I'm saying right. with like when the, if you bring in creators, I think there's room for a creator to come in and tell a super adult story in the Star Wars universe. But if you, the whoever comes in, whatever creative person comes in, they have to know what kind of thing they're doing. And Dave Filoni, I think, knows what he's trying to do, or you know, knew what he was trying to do with Clone Wars and Rebels, and I, and you know, Favreau knows what he's doing with with Mandalorian. And yeah. that I like seeing that authorial voice, and it just so happens that their authorial voice, I think, fits very well with the Star Wars franchise. Now, there's yeah. a reason that and, so and, many people and list. To be honest, our own. It aligns with us. Right. Well, well, I was going to say, like, there's, there's a reason uh, people of our generation and who have similar tastes to us in media all cite Empire as our favorite Star Wars movie because it actually is the most sophisticated. Its relationships yep. are a little, one notch, a little bit more nuanced than just, like, Luke finds the pretty princess and maybe Han is a little bit jealous. Yeah. They take that one more notch of, you know, complexity. Instead of being middle school complexity, it's high school level romance complexity. And yeah. Luke and his father, and then I feel like Jedi, for all its Ewoks that people complain about, takes it a level farther. And see my episode where I talked about Return of the Jedi and the Incomparable, having a franchise capping climactic movie where the hero wins through being passive and and refusing to fight is remains unprecedented and is actually a way more complex message and story than people give it credit for now. So much so that it's essentially never been attempted again. I mean, it wasn't so, like Captain America was putting down his shield and refusing to fight Thanos. I mean, it's not, you know, it's just not done. <laughs> so you mentioned, and I agree, it actually is, and I, I totally did not respect it. Not that I didn't respect it. I, I, as a kid, when, it, when Return of the Jedi came out, I loved the opening, and I did not care for the Ewok stuff at all. And I loved the space battle, and I loved the climatic Vader, Luke, Emperor 
finale in the throne room. I just thought that the whole thing on Endor was like, uh, it's just like 40 minutes of filler. And it's like, it's just so blatant that they just wanted to get our main characters together. And okay, the speeder bikes are cool, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I totally, I, I didn't like think, oh, that sucks that Luke refused to try to fight the light, the emperor with his lightsaber. Uh, but I didn't respect it at all. And I agree with, with you, John, that it, in hindsight, that it's remarkable. It's this movie about people cutting off arms and shooting people and blowing up things and the, the, the true climax. And it feels it, it is a natural storytelling moment. It comes about organically and feels true to all of the characters and, and true to what came before it. I mean, right. we had three movies like knowledge and right. defense, never attack. That wasn't right. just BS. Right. That was, right. it was, that was the teaching. Yeah, it was it, earned. It was so earned. Yeah. It, and it, it is interesting. And it's, it, to me stands, it, it helps that movie stand as a classic helps the whole, the whole trilogy feel like it was tied off in a bundle and it stands as a trilogy. And, and to me too, to go back to just my opening point that it doesn't matter how long the ongoing cinematic universe goes and it doesn't matter what's officially canon and what's not and what used to be canon and got erased when they decided to reset it. Those three movies stand alone and there's nothing that can come. They could make yeah. 20 seasons of The Mandalorian mm-hmm. and make Obi-Wan and young Princess Leia and, you know, do whatever you want. Do like a whole series yeah. where, where – I, mean, I mean, eventually, I've been saying this for years, eventually they're going to reboot the original trilogy, you realize. And and I'll be fine with that too because that doesn't take away from the original movies either. They're going to do it. They're going to cast the new Luke and Leia and they're going to redo the trilogy probably when we're grandparents, right? I don't but, know about that. That's a wait, good so that, that sort of leads me still to, owns it, they absolutely will. <laughs> that leads me to something that I was going to ask previously. And eventually it's – what is it? One hour, 50 minutes? Closing in, uh, we should talk about Mandalorian season two. Uh, what is your pecking order in terms of uh, canon? And I don't mean in like I don't worry about canon. I, I don't worry about it either. I, Do you know I, what? If it existed in the cartoon, right. that's cool. I used to worry about it. If it existed in it. a TV show, that's cool. If it's in the movies, that counts. Yeah. Is basically it. Like it, uh, you know, like there's been a lot of people complaining about the end of season two of The Mandalorian because. Uh, you can say it. He, spoilers. He, spoilers are free. Just say spoilers it. are free. He he couldn't take the dark saber because blah 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 Mandalorian BS oh. code, and they were like, well, in the cartoon, somebody. It's, who cares? Don't yeah. worry about it. There's a pecking order to this stuff, and whatever I, gets I, written I, I later. Think, I, think it made, I think it made perfect sense in Mandalorian season two because he, the, our character, our hero, is established as we didn't know this in season one, but in season two, it revealed that hey, you know, not all cultist. Mandalorians <laughs> are as straight edge as you are about the whole helmet business, right? Yeah, he that's one raised. of the best things. That's one of the things I love about Worf is whenever he interacts with Klingons, they're like, "Whoa, dude, you just you got to tone down the right. Klingon." And, and in season one, <laughs> you, you gotta- didn't realize that you just thought they were all like that, but now you realize they're not. And so the whole rules right. about the oh, well, you got to fight for it's it's no more stupid or reasonable than any of the other rules about Mandalorians. And I can imagine, you know, for who depending on who's on either side of the dark saber, saying, "Oh, I actually take that rule super seriously, and I can't actually you can't actually just give it to me because then I won't be the rightful leader." People got all sorts of BS rules for their society, and so I'm willing to let that slide. And yes, I know I, it was different in the in the Clone Wars, but if you, if you don't believe in those rules, too. you're not bound by them. But if you do, then you are. Me too. I, I, exactly how I feel. And you know what I love about that? His immediate and very first reaction is, well, I yield. Yeah. 
That's this says that he, any he one of us would be like, mission. I don't care. You have no, it. I yield. Okay, fine. You beat thing. me. It doesn't his matter. It was the helmet, and he already got over that because he had he was forced a couple episodes earlier to make a choice. Like, do you care more about the helmet rules? Or do you care more about saving the child? And he made his choice. Exactly. He's like, I don't care. This is yours. I yield. I don't need my ego to fight over this dumb thing that I got off this asshole. That was going to kill a kid. So yeah, he's, he's not you know interested what? in going trying to blow up the Death Star too, right? You know, no, and if anything, he's frustrated. But like, just take it. I don't want any part of any of this. And this crazy wizard guy that just came in and chopped up a whole bunch of Cylons. I, that guy's kind of spooky, and he just took my kid. There's there's this there's a scene in the first season that bothered me, but in hindsight now I realize they were right. I like it, and. The further development of the Mandalorian character says to me that it actually was right. But it's the scene – it might have been the first episode. I don't know. But it was early on. You mentioned it where he, he gets – somehow gets caught up with some Jawas and uh, the Jawas steal his stuff. And then yeah. he gets them back and uh, – but he doesn't kill all the Jawas. And I was like, come on. This guy and, – and it's because I was reading too much into what I thought the Mandalorian was. Uh yep. You know, and he was, he, he was a badass when he was going after one of his targets, but it, it turns out that not killing those Jawas for stealing his stuff was definitely with, uh, correct for this character. And yeah, that, like, would have been, that would have been a darker take on this. Like I, th- I was thinking about that the other day. Of like, so the whole the, the first episode of the season one of the Mandalorian, we, our our bounty hunter is faced with the situation where he's got to kill this cute little thing, and is he going to do it or not? Right. It turns out he saves the cute little thing instead of killing it. Right? Yeah. The way a just, just sort for of, any listeners out there, if you got a choice between shooting a baby and a robot, <laughs> <laughs> shoot the robot. <laughs> Shoot the robot I mean, every a, time. It was a murderous robot. It wasn't just a bystander. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the robot. I don't him. care. But, Shoot but, the but, robot. You can the, build another robot. The, Come on. the more conventional way to do this character in the modern era of television is to have a previous series of events where the Mandalorian right. is established as somebody who does hew to the bounty hunter code by showing a situation where he is told to bring in a sympathetic character, dead or alive, and ends up killing him. Right. And that is, you know, and we see him do that, like, oh, this guy's, you know, the anti-hero thing. Like, he's he's a, he's a little bit of a bad guy. He has a code, and he maybe he didn't want to kill the guy. He was like, well, I'm a bounty hunter. I got to do what I got to do, and I kill him. And then he, when he's faced with Baby Yoda, he's like, okay, well, now I now I, I, I make a different choice. But Mandalorian doesn't do that. Mandalorian says, from season one, episode one, this guy's got a gruff exterior, but He's a softy. He knows right from wrong. He's had a hard life. He puts on a hard front. He's a great fighter. But there isn't the episode where he kills a baby Yoda and then has second choices about the se- and is haunted by it and then makes a different choice on the second baby Yoda. He's I, good from from the jump, right? I agree with you so much because the Horatio Sands character, the uh, the yeah. blue guy that they meet yeah. in the bar, it's like I can bring you in warm or cold, and then he's an idiot. <laughs> and he goes messing around with things, and it's like, yeah, he, he turns up cold, but he's not dead. He's yeah. just frozen in carbonite. Like he'll that's he'll be, be back in season two, and they'll be friends. Like, and, yeah. and that's part yeah. of the that's part of the family friendly nature of the show, and it's part yeah. of also understanding that you can have a character who has to do a job and is conflicted and has character development in moments without first putting them into the super duper antihero thing. Like right. the farthest Star Wars is ever gone in that famously is Han Solo shooting Greedo first, which is. The, the hardest core arc that you get of, like, we know Han is good-hearted, but we also, the first thing we see him do, I mean, granted, it's self-defense, 
But we don't see him find a nonviolent way out of that situation. I feel like that's why Lucas regretted that and keeps trying to mess with it or whatever. Um, and I, I think that little harder edge helps in an otherwise fairly fluffy movie. But The Mandalorian, clearly, they want you to know this character, this character has inner turmoil and everything, but we are on the Mandalorian side from from the very beginning. And we feel his struggles as he goes on with his whole code and his helmet and the people and the kid and whatever. But we always know in his heart that he's good. Yeah, I think I forgive Spielberg and Lucas for their uh, re-examination of the violence that, that they visited in those earlier films. Uh, it is... Unfortunate that you can reach back into history and to change things, but I understand that they've moved their perspective and now they don't want their hero to shoot people or the, the bad guys in E.T. to be carrying guns and now you get walkie-talkies. I, I think it's a mistake. <laughs> or, uh, and and I, I reject the revisionism of it, but I understand the, the evolving nuance because I think we have changed too, right? Like if we'd made something... Uh, in an earlier period, I think whatever work you make is, is, um, it's a, a part of the period in which it's made, right? Like you, you build things within the culture and, yeah, and the solution so is to make new things, not to go back and change. Exactly. Because exactly. you're not actually changing anything. We know you made the old thing the other way. And honestly, Han shooting first is uh, in a life or death situation anyway, where Greedo basically 100%. is going to kill him is yeah. totally justified and perfectly fine. And it's not like Han is a super hard edged thing, you know, yeah. and the, the, as no. soon as we see him as guard down, these guys must really be desperate when he says that he sounds like a little kid. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. It would and, be, and and so that's what. Sorry, just to finish that thought. That's why I like the Mandalorian, as that is the way you address that. You have a you have a character that's a total badass, and his version of like I can bring in warm or cold. It's like, well, you're still going to be alive. I'm not going to kill you. Come on, what am I a jerk? He doesn't want. He doesn't want to kill you. He I mean, doesn't he want will to kill you. He, ha- right. he will if he has to. He kills plenty of people on this show, but it's not his preferred course. Like I exactly. mean, as we reveal his backstory, he's had a difficult life. His, you know, yeah. the droids came and killed his parents. He got adopted by these Mandalorians that had the strict code. He had to learn to yeah. be a fighter, but he doesn't like. If he had if he had grown up in in luxury and not had to worry about this whole situation, he would not have ended up as a bounty hunter for sure. Right, right. and even then, he comes to love droids. Uh, episode one of season two, mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Let those stupid droids just go out my ship. That's fine. They're not gonna, you know. And, uh, my my it, Han, my Han and Greedo analogy is that Lucas went back to that scene as though imagine if the original scene had been Han was on his way out. He was already done. He's like, all right, we got this deal with this crazy old man. We're leaving. And he looks out of his corner of his eye and Greedo just happens to be at a table having a drink. And he goes, Greedo. And Greedo's like, ah. And he's like, yeah, hey, remember that time you, you cheated me at cards? And Greedo's like, oh yeah, ha ha. And then Han just shoots him dead and then walks out the door. <laughs> Right now, you laugh, but there are scenes like in the Clint Eastwood westerns where stuff yeah. like that happens, where a guy just, you know, just out of the blue, just shoots a guy. If Han had done that, I could see where Lucas would you'd be like, I got it. That, that never but, sat but right. But then Han Solo wouldn't be the Han Solo that we right. know. Like right. the reason we love him so much is because he's not that type of jerk. Right. Lucas, like the whole, his arc in the first movie is I right. start off seeming like a jerk, and then I mostly seem like I'm selfish, but in the end, I'm neither one of those things. And that's right. movie number one. Right. I think I think his first thing when he shoots Greedo is like, I'm just trying to survive. 
Right. I'm just trying to get out of here. I'm going to I mean, do things that I'm not he's happy a, about. He's a, he's a survivor for sure. You know, over and, my dead body. That's the idea. Like, and, it's clear exactly. Until he turns around and he comes back and saves Luke, which and is he, the whole point. And he so. does. He tips the he tips the bartender extra. Sorry to, for the mess. Sorry yeah. for the mess. Yeah. Uh, which. So, I mean, the last the last time John and I killed somebody in a bar, we didn't we didn't even tip that well. We just ran, just just bolted. Yeah. So, uh, John, I'm I'm almost surprised to hear you call the character Baby Yoda. Uh, he has a name. <laughs> Does he have a name? I feel I feel like if they could have ever, I I can't help but think that they they regretted not giving him a name instantly. Uh, yeah, it's part of the mystery of season one of the Mandalorian. Right. Well, and and it lets you defer a difficult decision until later, right? And it almost <laughs> have you guys seen the gallery uh, the gallery for season two? Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, uh, it's not pertinent to this, but it will come up, and I just want to the what of, for season two? Uh, the gallery, the Star Wars gallery, the making for, of the, the making Plus of like a making of series. Oh Star no, Wars I did gallery. not see it. I did not. But it's you can tell okay. episode so far making yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to ruin anything. It's how they right. made it, but yeah. Uh, but his his name is Grogu. <laughs> Which is a fine name. It's a fine Star Wars name. Uh, I, I, it's such a great relationship. I liked it immediately, and I know people latched on. And oh my god, he's adorable. Uh, but he is adorable. He is. It's that simple. It, there's, there's no reason to overcomplicate it. It's an adorable idea. You get it immediately. He's, he's one of Yoda's species. He's obviously special. He's, uh, you know, he's powerful in the Force. Uh, and it's 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 a fantastic combination of of introducing a very Star Warsian character and a MacGuffin all in one. It 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 is so great. But then the other thing, like one of the great tricks of the original Star Wars is like like Spielberg has said that his favorite character is R two D two because he's the most purely cinematic character in movie history because yeah. he can't talk it doesn't even make any technical <laughs> sense you have a yeah. universe where the computers can talk obviously because C three PO does and this guy just beeps and he, he has, has an astromech what does he need to talk for right? he's just it's just a it's just a, a a little person in a trash can you know what though wiggling. when we were growing up and we could hear our hard drives whirring and be like ooh. That's a bad sector. Right. Like, but, but, you know, uh, but Chewbacca never gets a subtitle, you know, and of course they do the, the, the dialogue thing where the, yeah, they the, do that with R2 as well. It's you know, yeah. basically yeah. translates for him the, by the, responding. The, the response includes you get to, but it's, it's a great thing that only really makes sense in cinema, right? Like, you yes. know, it, it, the novelizations never really capture R2-D2 or Chewbacca, uh, you know, or even the comic books, you know, because it, it's the actual beeping. There's nothing you can do in a comic book to make the beep emote. Do you, it, do you guys remember Buck Rogers, where there's like a little robot yeah. who wore a medallion of another little robot that mm-hmm. looked like a speaking spell? Uh, Doctor... Doctor oh. something, yeah. And he, he used to go like, butter, 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 or something butter, like butter, that. Butter, butter, butter. Honestly, Twiggy yeah. And, uh, not Doctor Zayas, that's Planet of the Apes. Doctor Zayas and Planet of the Apes, yeah. You've, you, I don't know. You, you go look it up. All I'm saying is that, like, you know what? They could have done that for Star Wars. They did not. And I think it takes... One of the things that I think makes Star Wars so great is the willingness not to explain things to you. Well, it's to just let them sit there. And Chewbacca growls and you're like, that didn't seem good. Or or he sort of chuckles at Han. And you're like, yeah, 
I don't know what you're laughing about exactly, but yeah, Hans being a bit of an idiot. And and you get that and and you run with it and and it it lands. Uh I think of anything where the prequels well, there's a lot of places where the prequels fell down for me, but it it's over explaining Vader. It's oh yeah. Just, like just stop. You don't need to explain this stuff. Uh, I, the I magic is over explaining isn't the problem. By the way, it's Dr. Theopolis. Uh, Thank you. Yes, the, that was it. Thank the, you. The over, yeah. like, I was I, vamping to get help yeah, you. The, out. The, the the other uh, like the the trilogy, the prequel thing. Not to go into it too much, but like I, getting back to the Godfather again. Um, the story that the the, the, trail, the prequels had to tell was how did the good man that was your father become Darth Vader? That that right. was the story they had to tell. We already know how it's going. Uh, please tell me that story. And the best example in my movie canon of seeing. Uh, something like that happened in a believable way is the Godfather part one and two, because we have someone who is essentially a good person at every point trying to make what he thinks is the right decision, but essentially ending up as a force for evil, despite his best efforts unknowingly. It's hard to tell that story. So it's not like it's like, Oh, please don't explain to me how Anakin turned. I want to know how Anakin turned. It's a great story. Godfather part one and two tell a great story of a essentially good hearted person, good hearted, smart person trying to do the right thing and ending up where he ends up at the end of Godfather two, which is not a good place. Uh, it can be done. It's just pretty darn tricky. Well, it's actually true for both, uh, him and his father, right? Like the, and that's what makes the Godfather two so brilliant. Right. This is what I, it's not what I wanted for you. Right. But it, and also, but also a good, person who is honest and you know does what he says he's gonna do although he uh, the uh marlon brando like the original godfather does end up as a comparison against michael in that he gets to go out more or less never having never having killed his own brother i mean right. you know what i mean like <laughs> right. he stuck to his code he did uh leave his family better than he found it you know what i mean right, like right. and right. the son didn't even didn't live up to that let alone be a senator right 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 yeah, I, I would say I'm. I, I I'll just insert my annual holiday spectacular, um, sur- perhaps surprising to many aside that I enjoyed the prequel trilogy much more than just about anybody of my generation that I know and think that they are fine movies. They're well, not. You watch James Bond movies, so you're used to some bad dialogue and dumb plots. <laughs> well, they're they're not what I wanted, and they're not what I would have made. But I appreciate them for what they are. Uh, I I land in the, beautiful design and good music in those movies. But I will land in the middle, and I one hundred percent agree with Syracuse. There is beautiful design in there. Holy cow! Some of those shots are great. Uh, Phantom Menace, especially, has like a lot of very yeah. vertical columns in the throne. Like there, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. But there. Anakin Skywalker but, is no Michael Corleone in terms of no, <laughs> no, they, no, no they totally blew the story. Like I'm saying, yeah. you can tell that story. They did not. Right. Yeah. Sorry, right? In any kind of believable way, they just blew it a hundred percent. A much more yeah. Michael Corleone-ish, uh, young Michael Corleone-ish, young Anakin Skywalker would have made for a much better trilogy. But anyway, yeah, he's coming uh, back. By the way, I don't know if you know that. Who is Hayden Christensen? Oh yeah, play, I did. Hear play that. Oh yeah, yeah, in yeah. Kenobi. By the way, Kenobi's my favorite guy. I I'm so happy that we're going to get a show about that, and I'm yeah. really kind of I've got there a lot of trep- trep- trepidation about it. Get some good scripts good. that can, he can do some justice with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's an amazing actor. Come on. 
Like well, they, and there is, I guess, you know, so that's here we get to the greater expanded universe that they're yes. popping, they're sprouting. And, and, and to me, this is what makes the Mandalorian so clearly successful is that they're using it now as the trunk to branch other things off. Mm-hmm. You so got the Boba Fett series, you got the Ahsoka series, right? And the Ahsoka series wasn't, uh, to me, I, at least as somebody who doesn't follow the comic book news, comic book world news, I, I my understanding is that the announcement that Ahsoka is going to have her own series came after her appearance on the Mandalorian. And during her episode, they introduced that she, what is, what is she doing in the world at this time? She's hunting down Grand Admiral. Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's a guy from the books, but also and, appeared in Rebels. So right. And, and, and all of the quote unquote canon. Right. Point. And so all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how is that going to fit into the Mandalorian? And it's like, this is terribly exciting. I remember him. He's a good bad guy. He like, you know, I, I, whether you really, really are into him or not, you have to admit he's a pretty good bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. Uh, he's he's a Erin Rommel kind of guy. Just yeah. For people who haven't. Erin uh, Rommel being a Nazi general. So for the definitely kids who no good. Who Thrawn is, but who know who Rommel is. That's a small group. I don't. He, uh, Rommel was a Nazi general in North Africa, fought the British on the U.S., to some degree, uh, was going to reinforce the beaches on D-Day, but ultimately... He, he was Kennedy's, a Nazi general who's kind of like a Grand Admiral Thrawn, if that helps. <laughs> but I always... He ultimately no. turned against Hitler and got shot for it. So, uh, not a good guy, but somebody that the British like to prop up because it made them feel great about fighting an honorable opponent. That's I, all. But Grand I, Admiral Thrawn is definitely like, let's take Rommel and make him blue and put him in space. Right. I, I believe we have covered in past holiday spectaculars the very conspicuous plot holes and patchworks and gaps and things that really don't add up at all uh, between maybe the way that George Lucas didn't really think things through <laughs> and then t- tried to make yeah. them through. Like, for example, just the, the whole uh, why in the world did Obi-Wan and Yoda – not go to kill the emperor together. Why in the world would they split up? And then even when they failed in their own weird ways, why did they go into exile for 20 years when they both clearly were very close to being able to defeat these yeah. enemies and then <laughs> just let the whole, uh, the whole galaxy succumb to a sort of, you know, fascist, fascistic authoritarian evil. I don't regime? know, but I think it explains what Luke did. He's right. like, I don't know. I don't but, know, Dad. I mean, you taught me. You can, you I don't know why I'm smoking pot, Dad. Just, you told me to run away to this island I mean, island the, the problem is here. that we had the prequels that tried to explain right. it, so that's stuck in our mind. Right. It doesn't make sense. But without the prequels there, you can come up with, with reasons that make yes. sense. In right. terms of just right. personal, personally being like, you know, devastated by what's happened and sort of punishing yourself and exiling yourself right. and all that business. Yeah. Right. Well, even even there, I think The Last Jedi and, and Luke's posi- position there supports that. What am I going to do? Walk out there with a laser sword and beat the whole empire? No. I'm just a guy. I can't do that. I can't do it. And if Yoda and Obi-Wan had been like, you know what? Those two of us. There's an entire galaxy full of these people. Like they're playing the, the long the, game. I mean, they were stupidly hiding uh, Vader's son on his home planet, but whatever. Like sure. they, they had a long game. The long game yeah, was Luke. Right. And Leia. But but the argument about like why didn't we just double our forces and go take out the Emperor? Well, if yeah, you Obi- ignore Obi-Wan if you ignore the prequels, that Dooku, that, and, if you yeah. ignore the prequels, that wouldn't have been an issue, right? Yeah. Like that would have been like, well, 
there's about a million stormtroopers between here and there, and mm-hmm. there's only two of us. And that's just not going to work no matter how much of a badass samurai you are. Well, I still think I, I've always thought that there it was it was ambiguous right from the beginning. Just what Vader meant right in the first movie when he says, you know, when last we met, I was but the learner. I mean, you get the sense, you know, we we find out later that you know that Obi Wan <laughs> did this to Vader, uh, but it was always to me it seemed purposefully vague as to whether there was one incident twenty years prior where that happened and they haven't seen each other since, or whether they had seen each other any interstitial years at some point, you know, even though it's clear that the, he hadn't seen Obi-Wan in a while. And yeah, they, they, they could do another thing. I do sort of prefer it. If that he just left him there, I would have, I don't don't think they're going to be seeing each other again. Cause it was pretty clear. I think in a new hope where it's like, they, they split up and they split up when last we met, they they were, they were student and teacher. We know that Obi-Wan taught him, blah, blah, blah. And they don't come back together again until it's on the Death Star with Luke. So I don't think so. But I, I would have liked if, like, he instead of chopping off and said, "I had the high ground," which was dumb. He said, <laughs> "You've still got a lot to learn. I was going to teach you so much. I'm the master. You're the learner. Look at you." Like that would have been dickish, but it would have added at least a little bit to Vader's like, ah, "I'm the master now." You know, and speaking of speaking of things in the prequel that people don't like and everything, it's interesting how the Mandalorian has walked the line. Yeah, with uh, the baby Yoda, he's got a high M count. We don't want to say the word, but his blood has <laughs> right, something right. in it that starts with the letter M. Uh, and also, and it's, importantly, only the Imperials should say that. Right, and, and and what they're doing with it, right? So it's the, they're they're either resurrecting the Emperor, or they're making the Snokes, or whatever the hell they're doing. Right, they're tying it into the movie canon that exists. In a way that's like, okay, we did on two seasons of this, and we're still not in a big darn hurry to tell you what they're doing with Baby Yoda's blood, right? But it's right. pretty clear they're making either Snokes or, or Emperors or something like that, or maybe a third thing that we don't know about, right? But we're we're so much all on board with that now, and as much as I despise the prequels, and as much as I think the old talk of uh, Clarins was done, uh, I will continue to say this. The very first movie in the entire original trilogy, this force is strong in your family. It is, for for better or for worse, I know people don't like it, I know they want, yeah. you know, but yeah. for better or for worse, it is a hereditary thing. Now, interestingly, for The Last Jedi people, that doesn't mean that there's literally only one family in the entire universe that can have the force. Lots of things are hereditary, like skill in sports right can be passed on from father to son yet there's not a single family that populates the entire major league baseball there are tons of family and they can come from anywhere so i just want to say that those two things can live together the force yeah establishes hereditary also means there can be people other than skywalkers and palpatines are have it in fact there can be millions of people who have it and in fact just like being good at baseball just because you're good at baseball and even if you're Andre Agassi and Steffi Groff doesn't mean every single one of your kids is going to be number one in the world in tennis right even though you've got like literally the best genes you could possibly imagine that's just the way the genetic lottery works so i'm i'm okay with that i'm okay with m count and midichlorians if they want to say oh, okay well we figured out how it's passed on sort of kind of just don't tell me too much about it because if all you have to say is the force is strong in your family i totally buy in it makes sense that's all that needs to be said i tend to agree i i am very much in into the uh the the democracy of the force that 
that Ryan Johnson sort of introduced the last Jedi, but I, I agree that I don't think that they're opposed. And, you know, yeah. anybody can have the force. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of practice and some more and more predisposed and, and also, and also opportunity, which is a big part of the Ryan Johnson thing is you don't think right. the kid who's sweeping the street has the force, but why wouldn't he? There's no reason the kid who's sweeping the street isn't going to be the next, the next, you Ex- know, best pitcher in the major leagues, right? Exactly. It's all about exactly. having the opportunity to do that and not being like, so it all, that all is completely harmonious to me. Exactly. And I think Same. part of the reason I haven't seen anyone freaking out over midichlorians in the Mandalorian haha, uh, is the A, they didn't lean on it too much, and B, like, I think people are on board with, with that idea. Like, I think it is actually harmonious, and I, I you know, half the reason people got bent out of shape about The Last Jedi has nothing to do with what they, people say it's about. But no, like, no, but, people but just, it, it, yeah. there's no, there's no, uh, incongruity there. Yeah. I feel like as they reveal more about what they were doing with Baby Yoda's blood and whatever, and they tie it into either Snoke or the Emperor or something else, that'll be perfectly fine because in the end, The Mandalorian thus far in two seasons has been a personal story about a small number of characters that we care about, and I don't see that changing. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like, um, it's like the reverse order. So with with the Metachlorians, we've got these prequels from 20 years ago that went way too much into trying to explain this. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Where are you going? This is, this is awful. And now you can just sort of touch on it and it's like, okay, we'll accept that. And it's like the reverse of like galactic Senate politics, right? Where in the first movie, there's some kind of talk about, wait, what are you trying to do? The Senate's going to throw a fit and they're, and Tarkin is just like, ah, the Senate, the hell with them. And it's like, okay. Dissolve this. Dissolve the Senate. Or no, the Emperor. Yeah, it's it's like some low level. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like a lieutenant in the Imperial Navy being like, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm going to have to answer a lot of calls about this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and Vader's like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I, did you see me strangle somebody? I don't care. I'm Where, gonna, I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna murder a diplomat. All right. So you figure it out. I've, I've got questions here though about the Grogu, the Baby Yoda. So the, I, I the, as I understand it, just from watching the show, that Baby Yoda is like thirty years old, fifty. 50 years 50. old. So and, yeah. and and he was in the Jedi training. He's the mm-hmm. same age as Anakin. Born oh, the same year. Okay. Uh. And and so that sort of explains how Yoda could be 930 years old, you know, in Return of the yeah, Jedi cuz different species age differently is what right. he said on the show. And he's so yeah. he ages these 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 whatever they are age so slowly that uh, a 50-year-old still can't even talk. Uh, so wait, just a sec. Both of you have children, and neither of you are as zen in the force as I suspect you'd like to be. Would you put up with a toddler for 50 years? I mean, I feel like if I live for 900 years, it's all yeah. proportional, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wouldn't feel like I'm burning 50 years, more than half of my life changing diapers. Fair right? enough. Fair enough. It does seem like a lot of work. But I'd take that trade. If my, if my kids still couldn't talk at 50, but I lived to 900, sign me up. All right. But man, what a good dad. Part so part part of the problem with the whole Star Wars uh time span, or at least the the time span we're familiar with from the, the you know, because obviously you could go back a thousand years and I know there was the Knights of the Old Republic video game that's like yeah, I don't they're, know. They're doing a TV series for that. It, right. a, it's not yeah. as far back as the Knights of the Old Republic, but it's right. way before yeah. the New Hope. I, young Yoda, if I got to pitch, I, I would pitch Young Yoda as as a pretty good idea for a trilogy. 
but that's just my idea. I yeah. mean, the problem with Young Yoda is you are burdened with the now canon of the prequels, which don't. I am very adverse to any prequels after having watched, uh, forget the Star Wars prequels, uh, Star Trek has had a very, very difficult time doing that. Both Discovery and Enterprise sort of founded on the shores of the future. Well, in, let's in not, that come aspect. on. The Discovery and Enterprise are in two different classes. I think Discovery's doing a pretty good job. All things I do, I do, but they jumped. So they got out of there, right? Yeah, yeah. I do, I, I like it, but I think they, like, I, I'm not, I'm sincere when I say that I think they founded on the shores of the future there. I think they ran up against things that they could not really rationally make sense I don't know if they needed to, but they chose to take them seriously, and they got out of there. They're, they've gone, not to spoil it, but they're in the far future now, and that's different. And well, and it's a good show, but it doesn't I, – I think when you write towards an inevitable co- conclusion, you have some sort of limits on where you yeah, can but go I mean, you better If you're going to do that, you better do it in the form of a trilogy where you know you're just going to have three movies or something. You can't do it as an ongoing TV series. Right. Now, I haven't watched Better Call Saul enough to be able to call that out. Better Call Saul is, is fantastic and also yeah. very different from Breaking Bad. I think it's a great example of doing something. You've had to do it, right? You can, yeah. you can imagine, how can this possibly work? This is going to be terrible. And it isn't, but it also isn't Breaking Bad. Highly yeah, I watched most of season one. It's on my list of like, you know what, on a ready day when I'm sick. God forbid, uh, I'm going to, you know, binge it all. So, so uh, here, here's my here's, – here's where I'm trying to go with this is in their timeline, there's the era when there were lots of Jedi and the whole uh, one, two, three prequel trilogy is about, okay, how did they go from there was a lot of Jedi and a Jedi order to the Jedi are almost extinct – when Obi-Wan's old and young Luke is 20, 20 years old and gets trained. And there's a time when we're down to literally the last Jedi, right? That's the name of a movie. Yet you can't make star Wars movies without Jedi, right? There's it's, it's, that's the thing. That's the difference between star Wars and Buck I mean, Rogers. You, can. you, you could, can make, but you want to, right? And that's I mean, the Mandalorian did for uh, solo. Most of solo season did. one. Yeah, Solo. but and that's Solo had a Jedi in it. But it's hard. Well, yeah. And and it's like you end up with the the I I I I was not a fan of the Rebels show. Uh but you got that kid, what was his name? I don't Ezra. know. Whatever happened to him? Is he dead? No. He went off with uh, Thrawn, which uh, is where we're getting back to the Thrawn thing. You might the, the but, characters may be less annoying as adults. But you, but you end up with this yeah. thing where it's like you kind of, as a creator, you need to start, you need to invent some Jedi because otherwise this isn't I Star mean, Wars. But, but that's that's the beauty of the Jedi, though, is because it's genetic and because it can pop up anywhere, right? That anybody can be strong with the Force, and all you really need at that point is a lightsaber, and those don't seem to be too hard to come by. And all the religious aspects around it of the Jedi Order and the Kyber crystals and all these ceremonies that can grow and change. And the old Republic Jedi are nothing like the Jedi in the prequels and can be nothing like the Jedi in the future. You, if you have a universe where the force exists and people have laser swords, there will always be Jedi. So I don't, I don't worry about that. Well, what? Right. And, and in fact, Ahsoka is nothing like the Jedi we've seen, right? Yeah. She's got big she, problems with the Jedi order. Yeah. She's like, uh, yeah. honestly, she's uh, she, she, she did the Mario thing. It's like your, your princess is in another castle. Like, right. She's, she's yeah, like, I know how to, yeah, she just gets, she's a, I'm, 
She's like a Go Ronin, ahead. right? She's the like, Jedi equivalent of a Ronin. 100%. And, and who knows like, how I, many I don't other know how ones to... like, that, like that are out there who are just strong in the forest. I mean, what is what is Grogu? He's, he's not being – well, I guess Luke's adopted him now. We'll see how that – but we know how that goes. Luke ends up not doing too well as a yeah, – uh, running, well, running a Jedi Academy. Well, and we where – you know, here's where I'm going. What, what, what was Yoda thinking? Yoda obviously knew about Grogu and so did Obi-Wan because he was born 50 years before. And so yeah, that whole might, time when – thought he was dead though. Like so we know that like – in Revenge of the Sith, all the Jedi, all Jedi, most of the Jedi are killed, and the Jedi Temple is burned down, and whatever. And Yoda could think, all the younglings, they're all gone now. Turns yeah, out, wouldn't baby Gro- Yoda was out eating eggs. Wouldn't he Grogu be out. one? Wouldn't he? You know, like you know, wouldn't he? You know, let's not say that Yoda is racist, but that he he just you would. <laughs> Well, like he, like you know, he was he. Remember Yoda in the stupid prequels is flying around on you know troop carriers and commanding troops in the field and doing all sorts of BS yeah. or whatever. But like <laughs> when everything went down with the with the Jedi Temple and and everyone getting killed and Anakin killing the younglings and everything, Grogu, like I said, he was out he was out uh, stealing eggs somewhere and he <laughs> he managed to dodge that whole thing and he's so small nobody noticed and maybe someone smuggled him away. It's really easy to get Grogu out of that situation without anybody knowing and especially since he doesn't know what he's doing. He's little. He doesn't know how to reach out through the forest. They had to put him on the rock for that. Real easy for there to be Jedi all over the place that Obi-Wan and Yoda do not know about. And, except it, for Jedi, the ones and, and Jedi sympathizers, too. Yeah. Like, oh my god, uh, Anakin is out here murdering everybody. I'm just going to grab this kid and run. That seems reasonable. Like the guy that's cleaning the floors in the Jedi Temple, uh, maybe puts down the uh, the cyberspace mop and just grabs a kid and yeah, runs. I mean, Grogu is totally... small. He's easy to hide. Yeah. Well, here's where I'm going with it, though. Now, now we, we reach the end of season two, and I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good plot point. I I, I don't love the way it was directed, where we watched it on security cameras. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you do have a, an effects budget to stay within. If right. you can keep the hood on them and keep it in grainy video, it saves a lot of money. Uh, I I liked it. I thought it I, built up a lot. I, I liked like, it. Oh, I, everybody knows who it is. You could tell from the from the markings on the X wing for crying. Right. Yeah, but they went red. I loved it somehow. In God knows when future slash past slash incredible technology, they still don't have. Uh, like UV clear LCD paint. screens, yeah. <laughs> like that's <Right>. awesome. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's black and white, and it skips a few frames. Who knows if those are red markings? It's the they could be in future. future, right? But yeah. we we've reached the end of season two. Luke Skywalker swoops in. Is the Luke we've always wanted? He doesn't to swoop, see. man. He saunters in. Well, he swooped in with the X wing. I mean, that was a swoop. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a very cool line. Very cool line where Kara, I forget her last name, Kara something, whatever. Kara Dune? Duff, something like Kara that. Kara Trace, no, sorry, wrong one. But but she <laughs> says, what's what good is one X-Wing, right? And it's, it's, like, it's Kara Dune. It's Kara uh, Dune. Gina Carano. Right. Yeah. And uh, what a great line because it's like, oh, you know. It's like, whoa. Like we're all vaguely aware of the, of the timeline. And it's like, oh my God, no! And I, I have to say, I, I didn't watch it like on day one, but I'm, I've gotten so good at staying spoiler free. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I had no idea. I yeah, didn't even. I had no idea as well. I had no idea. And I'm watching with my son, and he, he said it. He was like, 
it's Luke. And I was like, I, I was like, I think you're right. And it's like, oh, it was so awesome. So satisfying. I don't, I didn't love watching the whole thing on the security footage, but it's fine. Cause it was cool. And he was Luke and he was as awesome as you could think. But wait, it wasn't the whole thing. And it, right. Well, and then honestly, I think it would have been good. I think well, the it would fight have been, was. it would have maybe fed our childish. Uh, wishes to see him just murder I mean, a bunch well, yeah, of what, droids. What, but. what some people wanted was the equivalent of the Rogue One Vader hallway scene. Right, right. right. But they got it. Right, they but it wasn't. I mean, did. it wasn't as it wasn't as artfully done. The Vader hallway scene was beautifully shot and complicated, yes. and it's really easy because you can put any guy in that suit, and you don't have to see the right. face and everything like that. This one, they felt like they had. You know, it was less dynamic. The the Dark Troopers are just kind of lined up. Like it's it's a TV yeah. show. It's not ultimately a it's a show exactly. Right, it's a TV show. But, but it, uh, I I. It works I for me. I think it gave us the Luke that we wanted to see back in, let's say, when was Jedi? 83? Well, let's say 80, 85, when we were like, yeah. how powerful is Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Eh, about but, that powerful. I, I mean, I'm, you assume he continues to grow after the movie because he barely gets out of the Death Star 2 by the skin right. of his teeth, right? Yeah, yeah. So, which is and, why I liked and, him in The Last Jedi when he's like, yeah, I'm done with this. This, this sucks. But we can, yeah, a different discussion. Well, but I also enjoy though that they spent more time and 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 him beating the dark troopers was sort of handled quickly, and then they let it be more of a moment of whoa, whoa, we but wait a second now what he's just going away with Grogu and that's it he's Grogu's gone because you know Luke is not going to be like in the show every week right it's it's like baby Grogu is gone and we love we love baby Yoda. The whole world loves Baby Yoda. Yeah, now, well, that's that's part of like I feel like with season three of The Mandalorian, right. which is actually going to be a little bit of a gap. The whole show doesn't have to be a ba- Baby Yoda. I feel like right. that situation has been resolved up until the point where the Jedi Temple right. burns down and Luke totally blows it and training everybody. But that's that's a yeah, different that's like Ten years out. That's like a long right. way. So, out. But but anyway, yeah. Grogu. It's not like he's going to like be flying back to visit Grogu every time. He doesn't need to. You can. Right. can but it you feels. Know, the, but it feels sad. I was sad watching it. Yeah. I be- I believe that the Mandalorian is sad to say goodbye. It I believe Grogu was sad. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it was it was, and it all felt true and earned. And it, it is like this is a this is a total Star Wars success. And and I always come back to the word camaraderie as as what I loved about the original trilogy. What I love most about Empire Strikes Back is that it, it really established the sort of camaraderie between our heroes and you know there's a legitimate camaraderie between the mandalorian and grogu and which is amazing because the mandalorian is a guy in a helmet who barely talks and grogu doesn't talk and right i mean (laughs) right right empire strikes back han solo rides out into the cold to his death to save luke skywalker who I don't remember the last thing he said to him, but it was it was like basically I'm out of here, kid. Like I'm going to take my money and I'm leaving. That's the last thing we saw him say. And yeah, one of the smart one of the smart things Empire did was uh, have a bunch of stuff happening off camera, which yes. which they reference to say, look, we've become a tight knit yeah, unit. The bounty, we the bounty we hunter and George Mandel, like the, yeah, all of at, that. At the end of a new hope, we were friends. We all hugged in the hangar. We all got medals except for Chewie. Uh, but then even since then, we've been on adventures together, so we are now tight. So right. it doesn't, you right. know, 
like the what do you call it the the bounty hunter we met on Ord Mandel or whatever. Like they, like there are adventures that happen between a New Hope and Empire, which lets you start Empire with I'm going out there in the cold to, to save my friend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure this show has done that yet, but. It's, but it's harder with Grogu. He's he's a little kid. He's a baby. He's a baby Yoda. He's cute and everything. And the Mandalorian felt for him because he himself was a foundling. You know, it's all, it all connects together with the whole thing. But he also recognizes, I don't, you know, this whole force. He doesn't even know what the heck the force is. He's just trying to do right by this kid. He yeah. realizes that me raising this kid is probably not the best, especially since he's got this gift, which I can't help him develop in any way whatsoever. So he calls yeah. the Jedi and Luke shows up, which seems like a best case scenario. But obviously he hasn't seen seven, eight and nine. Yeah, right. That's right. where I'm going. Is <laughs> Baby Yoda does not seem to have a bright future. <laughs> Right? Like, I mean, maybe, no. he di- maybe he dies in the Jedi Temple, or maybe, like his species, he's pretty wily, and he gets the hell out of there, and he's just hanging out on a small no, planet the, somewhere. I, 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 I suspect that um, uh, we discover that Luke finds him untrainable because he's too attached to... <laughs> Oh, uh, the attachment thing. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, uh, I know. I mean, I so know. Here's, here's the but, problem with, with, as, with, as, uh, with Grogu. Is, is that I don't think there's ever going to be the budget available to do a Yoda TV series. Yeah. Um, because you can make a character like Yoda emote and be amazing like they did in Empire. But to do it on a TV budget, I don't think you can do that. So I, think I Grogu, also don't think a character like that can hold a show. I don't. Even Baby I mean, Yoda. They, I, unique, they, can, they are the how accents. I, I I think there are the accents on a story that our main protagonist is going through. I think that that's the way those characters. Are I mean, you through. think about something like the Dark Crystal, or even like the Hobbit movies. You can have a, a diminutive, yeah. uh, a s- somewhat yeah. alien-looking character carry a franchise, but Baby yeah. Yoda you really didn't. did win me with the Dark Crystal. But I mean, even then, uh, right. like, did you it's watch the Netflix kind of show? show did you watch the Netflix show? Because it, yeah, they didn't. All right, it didn't land as well. Which tie? We got to wrap it up. I I have two more questions. Number one, specific to the special effects. What do we think about the special effects to make young Luke? I I thought it was great. I was like, this is this is really pretty good. I, and although you're, I, and you're renowned for your keen vision, so I know, my. <laughs> I'm back to 2020 in, in one eye. So. Yeah, you probably have. You're right. You probably actually have better vision than I do with my stupid glasses. You'd be surprised, <laughs> but uh, I, I really, I've, I, you know, was it perfect? No, but it was good. It was clearly of the same technique that they used to make young Leia in Rogue One, which I actually was, I was okay with. I thought that was fine. I mean, like, uh, I think I said when we were discussing this in one of the slacks that we're in, like the way they would do this when we were kids is they would get a young actor to look sort of like Luke, right? And we right. would and we would know it's not Luke, and we would be like, eh, it's, that's what you do on TV, right? These days, the thing that you do is what they did, which was computers. And you look at it, and does it look convincing? No, but it's like it's fine. Like I look, you're just trying to tell a story. It's it's like I, the, the way I put right. it for a lot of this stuff is like when you when you watch like a play at a kid's school, and someone comes out with a big cardboard boat or something. It doesn't look like a real boat. But for the purposes of the story, you're like, I'm not going to spend the whole time hanging up and like that cardboard boat doesn't look real. Like, just enjoy the performance, right? So all they need to do is say, this is Luke. And amazingly, with technology, we can make him look actually pretty close to the real Luke and do this amazingly with the voice, which I still don't know how they do. And just accept it as part of the story. And I did. And it was fine. Now, can you again, can you build a series? Can you build a young Luke franchise with that CGI Luke? No, you absolutely cannot because the tech is not ready and it's super expensive and hard to do. But... For the purposes of storytelling, 
I'm fine with it. Just the same thing I was with the Rogue One and everything. It's just, they're just not there. But the thing is, you're never going to get there if you don't keep trying to do it. So I always applaud the effort. The voice, I, I, the voice was so good that it's, oh, it was like completely, completely, I, for me, 100% believable. But then you immediately go to, this is terrifying because 10 years from now, they're going to be able to make anybody sound like anybody. And I mean, you could already do that. You ever use the scripts to do that with your own voice? Yeah, Descript is an awesome app, by the way. Yeah, not that, to, that's that's not like to. the janky version of. It. I, I, honestly, yeah. I don't know how they did it, and that I was hoping the gallery thing would tell me because that's all I wanted to know. I know how they did the CGI face because we all know how they did it in you know in Rogue One and everything. I'm like, but how do you do the voice? Because you have choices. You can I have know. a mimic mimic do the voice. You can have Mark Hamill do the voice and, and then modify it, or you can you can uh, manufacture the voice out of sound samples, which is what Descript does, only you know in a jankier way. But I don't know which one of those three things they did. Well, I, just from uh, comments that Hamill has made on Twitter, I believe he was involved in the production. Somehow I'm going to have to guess it was voice and maybe mocap. I don't know. I'm going to mocap that old guy for the young uh, Luke thing. Who knows? Well, well, uh, well maybe, no, no, no not, not for the fighting stuff, but for like the I'm hanging the out with R2 and like, the, and like the, the, I mean, speech, it, the monologue. Even the voice wasn't 100% convincing because when, when I listened to it, I'm like, that's super close, but... Yeah, not quite. I I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was a great twist. I thought it was deserved, well earned. I did my last topic is wait wait quite- just one second. I, I agree one hundred percent with uh, Syracuse that yes, we should keep doing this. I I think that in the future we're going to see uh, like in comic books and everything else, uh, representations are going to change over time, and yet the characters are going to remain the same. We have the technology more or less to do that now, and I think we're going to see it more often. And I think subsequent generations are just going to come to see, like, well, that Superman looked like he should have had a mustache or this loose. No, don't start with off. Superman mustache. We already did or, that. <laughs> or, or Leia looked a little, and, and in the case of Leia and Rogue One, I, I, I know there were some last minute changes to that, or I've been told there were some last-minute changes to that scene that changed the lighting on it that made it stand out a little bit more. There are difficulties doing this, but uh, if you've seen Ant-Man, it works pretty great. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that has done this technology. Or uh, Captain Marvel, they they de-aged Sam Jackson. Uh, Using this technology is just going to make it more and more effective. And I think... I, I think it's a viable and interesting way forward in terms of keeping these essentially mythological characters alive in a representation of the people that first embodied them. Do I think that's necessarily healthy as a culture? No. But, Especially since we are, we are accustomed to and totally accept the other thing, which we saw right. our whole life and they even did it in Solo. You just get a different actor. And right. we, we accept it. Like, we're not freaking out. Like, that's not young Harrison Ford. We're fine. People can handle it. It happens all the time. It does yeah. not detract from the storytelling in any way. And it is way cheaper. Yeah. I I was, agree. And and yet, I admire the reach of yeah, trying. Yeah, no, you have to keep doing through. it. Because like, yeah. you know, I'm still waiting. I, I paid to see Final Fantasy Spirits Within. I am all, yeah. all in. Yeah, me too. <laughs> full on full CG photoreal people. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Do it. Let's get yeah. there. And did you enjoy that movie? Because I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> it's not going to. But I'm happy I, I paid to see it. But so. I wanted to give them my money and say yes. Keep trying yes. to do that because same thing. Because yeah. I think that's a super cool thing that you can do. What yeah. did you anyway, guys? Sorry, I what did you guys? Read, I, what did you guys think of the Irishman and and the aging effects 
in the Irishman. Did uh, I mean uh, that's no? I like again. I I think it's a good thing to be able to do well because it's yeah. cer- for certain stories. It's super important to be able to do it well for you know because if that's the thing you want to do. But for, for the Irishman, it just felt like getting the band back together. But the band is all seventy, and you don't, and you wish they weren't. And uh, yeah. I love. I feel the, the same way. I, I think any trick uh, done as a trick is is worth pulling off. I think Jimi Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire with you know lighter fluid and then playing with his teeth that's cool. Maybe don't do a whole concert like that. Is is kind of my feeling on that. Like do it where it's appropriate and where it's going to get a wow and a bang factor. Uh, I think Rogue One tried to do that well. And I think certainly the Mandalorian season two at the finale tried to do that. Well, uh, don't hang your hat on that. You know, it's a trick appreciate it like a trick and deploy it accordingly. I mean, it was, it wasn't good enough to be a full length movie. Yeah. No. Like the effect wasn't good enough no. to build a whole movie on again. You got, you're not, not going to do it unless you keep trying. And I think the right. story of the Irishman was good. And certainly the sure. talents involved were good, but I think, uh, you really need a young man's energy to play a young man. And you can de-age De Niro all you want, but he's not that young man anymore. Well, and the one and and the particular scene where it stood out, everybody's talked about it, is the curb stomping scene where he he, it's a seventy year old body, right? Right, and it's like that's I'm just budget. You can you can de-age the body too, but now it gets even more expensive and troublesome. And it's like, well, then why do we even have the real actor in there at that point? It's like, yes, exactly. Just get someone. I mean, De Niro played a young Marlon Brando, and it was fine. Like it worked great. We're okay right. with it. Yeah, especially, <laughs> yeah, now that you make me think about it too much, one of his first starts was playing a de-aged <laughs> Right, and they, and they don't even like, look that much alike like, at all, no. but we don't, they don't care because they're both good actors. They're both incredible actors, and they're both handsome people, but right. holy and cow, they do not look just, like the same person even a little bit. <laughs> it was way cheaper to just get a young guy who looks like a young guy. Right. Well, and, and the uh, other funny thing about that, too, is, okay, in the... We never saw young Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone, but we everybody knows what young right. Marlon Brando looked like because he, he was already, you know, it mm-hmm. from a very yeah. young age was. Yeah, he was built like a brick shit house, right. and you know, did not look anything like right. what we actually got to see on on but, screen. But, De, but so. you know, but De Niro got to play the young uh, Vito Corleone. Which is not the young Marlon Brando. Right. Brando, like, right. they're, they're both playing right. the same character, and just because one comes first and one comes second, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, the, I totally bought him as young Vito. I oh. don't care if he looks like Marlon Brando. Right. Oh, totally, one hundred percent. And I think maybe, maybe we're falling into the trap of um, uh, going for visual similarity. Rather than uh, it's it's uh, a cool thing. It's a cool thing you can do if you can do it, and if you can do it convincingly. And I think it will be a great tool to have in the tool chest. But right now, um, that tool falls short of alternate techniques. So use it, use it sparingly to just advance it. Until yeah. you get, I mean, just think of it this way. Think of like fake backgrounds. Like think of like a show like The Crown or whatever. Where this, you know, right? In the, you could make a show like The Crown in the seventies, and it would be fine. Today, we have tools in our tool belt that are so good they're just a routine part of doing stuff. Which is like, well, I'll, I'll put in Buckingham Palace behind there, and nobody will ever know. And it works <laughs> so perfectly that it's yeah. a non-issue. When we get to that point, yeah. if we ever get to that point with de-aging, by all means, use it whenever the hell you want. Right now, it's not at that level, so you have to really pick and choose because people are going to notice. 
and it is going to stand out and you have to balance that. You know, we want to keep practicing this and getting better at it so that we can get to the point where it's not noticeable. But right now it is. So let's factor that into our creative decisions and not build a three hour movie around it. Can I tell so you one, 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 sorry, yeah. one, one thing, uh, I was most interested to talk to you about tonight was, uh, you had to, definite perspective on the arc of Luke's character. Uh, and I feel, and not to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you felt a little bit betrayed by the last Jedi and his, uh, his arc in that film. How does, uh, the final episode of Mandalorian season two sort of fit into that? You're going to you? throw that one out there when uh, John's trying to close <laughs> down the show. What is your final point, John? I'll let you get to that and then we'll see if we have time for me to address guys. I just, that's the most, that's the most essential thing that we have to talk I'll, about. I'll, I'll, it's yeah, not I my fault. You guys, John, I just be- want to give John a chance. He had a, one final point he wanted to make. I, I just wanted to say, right. I wanted to just, it's a complete aside. I just want to say my favorite special effect of the entire two season run of the Mandalorian was the IG. I think he's IG 11 droid. IG 11. Yeah. Uh, and I think what made it work so perfectly would well, number one, it's just great effects work, but number one, number two, it's the fact that the original IG 88 character was made with 1981 technology where they built yeah. like, well, what can <laughs> we make that looks like a credible assassin droid? And it would look like this. And the mechanics of the droid that they created to make a real world slightly, I mean, IG-88 barely moves in, in Return of the, or Empire Strikes Back. I think his head swivels yeah, and he's it, got those like. But it becomes this thing that is completely able to be made completely realistically in today's CGI. And it's just. It's like, oh, that guy moves like a herky jerky robot. That's because he is a herky jerky robot, right? <laughs> it was I, I I loved that. I thought it was so great. I I loved it and uh just today or maybe yesterday, uh Boston Dynamics put out a a little oh, video the- of the robots dancing and I'm like, eh, IG eleven's gonna be so much fun. Uh, my uh, before we close, we could close on the Luke question. My I, my other topic before we close on that would be: What do we think of bringing Boba Fett back? Ooh, good one. That was my. That was also my last. That's my uh, last there's thing. A, there's a little bit of a De Niro effect in there that Boba's put on some weight. Yeah, um, the armor doesn't fit like it used <laughs> I, to. But the I thing dig is, it. I kind of dig it. But, but the it thing looked- is, you can lean. You can lean into that, right? Because we're right, not trying to engage him. We're saying this is Boba who's been who's been digested slightly. Um, and he's put on some weight, and he's, he's he's a little worse for wear, but he's still pretty cranky. And if he's if he's a little heavier now, and he's older, that's the character, and so go with it. And they did like they talked about that in the gallery thing that they wanted to give Boba Fett a different fighting style than the Mandalorian. And what they oh, ended up giving him was they? a fighting style that befits the actor who's playing him, which I think is great because there's no established you know stuff in the universe in the existing canon of what Boba Fett's supposed to be like after he escapes the Sarlacc so guess what this is what he's like now yeah. can they build a series on that gruff tough character i don't know we'll see they have to you yeah. know get, especially since he's on the Jabba throne or on the Bib Fortuna throne or whatever whatever the throne is called <laughs> that he that he takes over there like i'm not sure what that series is going to be like like he doesn't seem like the type of character that you could build a series around but uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, 
look, I assume the people who are, have that who have that franchise have a story in mind that they want to tell. And I've, my whole thing is if you have a story you want to tell in the universe, go for it. And if you want to use this character, feel free. Because it's not like Boba Fett in the original trilogy is so well established that you're hemmed in. He's such right. a cipher. You can honestly well, do whatever wait, the hell you want. getting that monologue where he describes everything that he loves and, you know, being bucked off one of those giant cows on Naboo. And <laughs> he's just, he's really fully fleshed out character. I mean, the whole season should just be about him constantly reliving, uh, having his backpack malfunction when he gets accidentally poked <laughs> in the back by Han. It's like so embarrassed by that. He just, he just, he's just constant like nightmares and dreams about it and people teasing him in the street. I and then it burped, everybody. It burped. And it's just how his head is down and he's just walking. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, John, uh, eh, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I like the actor, like the character. When I was young, when we were young, and when uh, Barbara Fett went into that Solek pit, I felt a little ripped off. Because I thought he was a great character, and I thought I I wanted to see him do more kick-ass stuff. Uh, I don't know if you guys have felt it yet, but we're old. I don't need to see him crawl out of a Solak pit and kick some ass. I I don't care. I'm not really entirely sure where that story arc goes. I was more invested, oddly, because I didn't like him in the first season, but uh, uh, Bill Burr's character this season excited me more than Boba Fett. I did like him cracking Stormtrooper helmets open. That was cool. Yeah, I think that's the first time we've seen Stormtrooper armor shattered and fragmented. We've seen it burned, and we've seen it get bashed (laughs) a lot, but then bounce off. But this is the first time we've actually seen it shatter like the plastic we know it is. I I was dying for that to be the episode where armor actually worked. Like, have a rock explode nope. and have rocks I mean, bounce off of their armor. Do my family, something. My family was asking about this, too. And my, my in-universe explanation, which may or may not be supported by the materials, is, like, we know the Empire cheaps out on its crap. It's why there's yeah. no atmosphere in TIE Fighters. It's not giving these people the best armor. It's better than no armor in that maybe you'll take a couple rocks from an Ewok and not die, Right. But it's not going to stop a blaster, right? Right, and, yeah. You and, may and get half- knocked out or knocked down, but you're out of the fight. Like, right. Yeah. Right, or maybe I, I, maybe as, they as cheap out so much right. that it's just like quote-unquote armor, and they just want these guys to <laughs> I look mean, I mean, terrifying. If you, if you wore it on a motorcycle, it would keep your skin from being scraped off by the yeah. asphalt. It's more like motorcycle armor. It's like, yeah, yeah it, it's pr- some protection. Yeah. If you punch it with a bare fist, you're going to be glad you've got that helmet on. But if you have a big metal stick with a pointy thing at the end or a blaster, you get problems. My, my Even only if you had a scene with Finn saying, like, you know what, that armor is just so that we feel <laughs> empowered, so we can go kill people. Like, it doesn't they, – they 3D print this stuff off they, the they, line, they and it doesn't do it, anything. It, doesn't, but it, it doesn't keep out chemicals, right? It keeps out smoke, but not, not chemicals. Wasn't that what? one of the lines in one of the movies that, like, something, you know – Yeah, something like that. Like, that wish doesn't make sense. It's just like, <laughs> you know what? We wear the armor so that we feel scary and powerful. Just and so say that. And so say they can't something. see we're all the same person. Because at this point, it's getting extra, extra stupid. But uh, should Boba Fett have a show? Sure. Why not? More but people get employed. That's awesome. But uh, I, th- I think they've already said it's a limited run, right? Like they're just going to do six, like, six episodes six. and that's it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I could say I, – I say go for it. I like the idea that he's a fringe character and it's not one of – even though he's beloved, like super beloved – it's a fringe character. It's he's a guy with a helmet, so there's no no need for worrying about the aging thing. 
You know, I like that they hired the guy, you know, and sure, he, it does look well, like Well, they he, didn't. Uh, the, the original guy, Jeremy Bullock, died. Uh, no, but they hired. Yeah. Uh, no. the prequels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm trying to shoehorn in a, a mention of Jeremy Bullock. Right. That's all. Right. But, you know, and, you know, it's uh, all right. They've already, you know, there was the whole, you know, you never saw him without his helmet. But, you know, if they took off Darth Vader's helmet, it, Back in Return of the Jedi, they could take off anybody's helmet. So I'm fine with it. I'm going to, you know, I, th- I think 10 years ago, me would have been upset about it. And I'm like, ah, let's see. Cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if you think you have a story to tell, yeah. go for it. These characters aren't precious. Yeah. Like, it's fine. I like it. I feel like he's in good hands. I like it. Uh, uh, I like the idea that the first thing he did when he got his stuff back together is go, <laughs> go kill Bib Fortuna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Never it. Never like that guy. No, I love never it. Really. I love that Bib Fortuna is put on like a hundred yeah. some odd pounds. Just yeah. cause, <laughs> it's like, you I don't have to throne and the pounds just come on. You just yeah. eat frog after frog. Yeah. <laughs> I right. kind of can, I can so like that. It's yeah. Let's just, wrap it's, up. It's and, a decadence. It's a sign of decadence. Which let's is wrap un- up and revisit yeah. Guy's question about Luke's. Good. Because I, I really, I think this is a pertinent question. And I think it goes to the hardest. Uh, I mean, I think it's less, less pertinent than you think it is, but just, just to review, <laughs> uh, my, my problem. John, with, you've been telling me that for like 30 years now. Come on. <laughs> my, my problem with, with, uh, <laughs> With Luke, uh, Luke in the Last Jedi has almost nothing to do with what you see Luke doing in present day in the Last Jedi, but everything to do with the flashback in which we are we are led to believe that he seriously considered killing the son of his best friend Han Solo because right. he sensed the dark side in him, and nothing we had seen on screen up to that point or since uh, took us from the Luke at the end of Jedi to the Luke who would make that consideration. Luke would Luke couldn't even. Uh, consider fighting, let alone killing his own father who had blown up entire planets, right? And suddenly he's going to consider killing Han Solo's son because he's an innocent child because he sort of senses the dark side in him a little because we know Luke is so afraid of the dark side and if he ever meets anyone who has the dark side, he will kill them immediately. No, he won't. He absolutely won't. So that did not fit with his character. Now, I'm not saying that can never happen, but you have to build the story pieces taking me from the Luke at the end of Jedi to Luke that considers killing his son. I have no problem getting to Luke who's who's bitter on the island, that's super easy because you can just do that with like, well, I tried to train a bunch of people. It didn't yeah. work out. I blew it. I'm super sad about it. Now I'm bitter on this island. And I'm that they told that story. But yeah. the how did you get there? Oh, I was thinking about killing Han's son. Nope. Eh, Luke would not do that. And that is my giant objection. Because- right. Uh, so I, I think Luke on the island from Luke had returned the Jedi. You can do a linear interpolation there, right? Yeah, because like, you know okay, the, the whole Jedi that. schooling thing didn't go well. It totally screwed right. up. He's super pissed and, and bitter about it, and that's a thing you can imagine happening. But in the but, and in but the midpoint, you, you know try to kill still, your nephew. Yeah, but you know he's eh. mostly a good-hearted person who feels right. bad, like, like Yoda in some respects. Yoda sort of went off on his own and was a little eccentric in his little you know hidey hole on Dagobah and everything. Like, right, that, a that little, all, that all a fit. little, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sort of, sort of Obi Wan, and that's a little bit of my explanation for Luke yeah. and the All Last right, Jedi. So now, like, so now everything, just... everything you learned is like from these two guys who just basically ran away. And hit. I... Now, now here's the thing: uh, Luke, at the end of the Mandalorian season two, is a very much a Deus Ex Machina, right? He just comes in, he swoops in, he murders all of the bad robots, and he takes a kid and he and he books little bit polite but if anybody had argued with him you get the sense he was still going to take that kid uh there's 
how does that fit into your interpretation of Luke between point so, A and point so B? So Luke's doing a star cameo in this. So first of all, it's the Luke from basically the end of Jedi. He's wearing the same freaking outfit, right? He yeah, looks the yeah. same. It's Which the is all black. The whole reason he's the age, right? I think we disagree on this. I think Luke in Jedi was more dark side than I think you do. It, ultimately, he... It was, uh, his he, whole he gave, ba- battle he, was against being tempted to the dark side because uh, he just so wanted to have right. a relationship with his father that he was willing to consider that, but no, I have to resist him. Anyway, we're not going right. back into uh, Jedi. Right, right. So, ultimately, he throws it aside, right? But yeah. I think yeah, that he's... This, uh, I, I think his, that it is triumphant. inherent in his character that he's tempted to go that way, and I think that this episode... I mean, he's not really tempted to go that way. It's just that he wants to save his friends so much. Like The, the sure. Emperor is trying to turn his goodness against them. It's not as if he ever considers being evil because that might be cool, but he really wants to save his father and he really wants to save his friends and also he's a young hothead he's a young man who's pissed off that you know your friends out there on the moon like just anyway i don't want to talk about sure Jedi, sure, which, sure but and, if those dark troopers hadn't been robots and they'd been people would there be any less dead all right, all right so so the luke the luke that comes up here like he got the phone call from grogu this call went out hey i'm a little jedi yeah. uh i'm just a baby jedi with so much potential oh there's a <laughs> reference nobody will get <laughs> Nailed it. You don't get this. Stop laughing. You do not get that reference. I don't care. All right. It's anyway. funny that you think that there are people out there that would get that reference. There there are at least five people listening to this who understand what that's a reference to. Um, right. So Luke is making a star cameo in the in the 70s TV show style. Ooh, a big star is going to show up for one episode and say a couple of lines, right? Um, it's established that, you know, the, the whole arc is we got to find something to do with this baby Yoda. I can't deal with him. I need a Jedi. Ahsoka says, no, I'm too busy doing the Thrawn thing. Maybe make a phone call, see who answers. <laughs> Luke answers. Yeah. He's coming in, and his he's he's like a Jedi, a full fledged Jedi. Uh, yeah. wh- what he's up against is uh, a chicken man with the dark saber who is not a Jedi by any stretch of the imagination, and isn't even really good with the dark saber. Right? I love that you called him Chicken Man. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just <laughs> plus. I mean, I guess he was in the boys too. But anyway, <laughs> um, plus. A whole bunch of like rank and file, you know, empire people, and then the 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 robots, the big killer robots. Right now, it's not like the robots just showed up to be cannon fodder for him. The robots were established. This was his big tool. Yeah. Like yeah. I've got these robots. I've got some crappy troops, and you know, whatever. They're they're not great, right? I mean, the empire is not what it used to be. First of all, and second of all, they're never really good. But I've got this tech, right? And so that's my big thing. And so I don't feel like they're set up there to so Luke doesn't have to kill real people to come in and get Grogu. That's just what is on. That's what he's got. And they're actually pretty tough if you're not a Jedi, right? Um, and so he flies in, and I, you know, they're not even on a real star destroyer. Then what is it? A, the light cruiser, whatever, light cruiser. whatever little yeah. thing. It's no problem for him to show up, stroll in there fairly casually. What threat do these? You know, he slice his lightsaber goes through them perfectly well, right? Yeah, they, and, and we've seen shoot Jedi destroy droids with yeah. shields and all kinds of stuff. Right. Like that, yeah. That's now, not it, a problem. The right. more complicated, you know, anyway, I'll finish this up. The, yeah, the more complicated the droid is, the more the No, the I was going to say, the more complicated thing in the Star Wars universe is how droids are treated, which Solo touches oh, on. And, yeah. but, but anyway, yeah. um, the dark troopers seem to not even really be particularly sentient or particularly smart. So he strolls yeah. in, he gets yeah. the baby Yoda. He doesn't have to have a lot of lines. He doesn't know these people. He's uh, he's. We know what project he's undertaking. He is like, we defeated the Empire. Now I'm going to start up training Jedi again. You go do that, Luke. It's not going to turn out well, but you don't know that yet, right? So he comes and he goes. 
And his character, he doesn't do anything out of character because he's coming in to rescue somebody, which is a thing that Luke would do because he's a oh, yeah. do-gooder. And yeah. the fact that he answered is because he's a, he's Luke. Like, he always answers. His friends are in danger. He sees the vision. He leaves and goes to Cloud City. He's supposed to finish his training. He's got to save his friends. That's totally a Luke thing to do. Right. Uh, killing the robots on the way in, pff, no problem. Uh, it, that's perfectly in keeping with the Jedi Luke as far as I'm concerned. I, so, I like it because it's internally consistent where yes. the, the argument is, well, why didn't Yoda and Ben Kenobi know that baby Grogu, Grogu was out there? Well, they didn't know. They thought he had gotten – maybe he'd gotten killed. They couldn't sense him. They don't have that – the force isn't that sensitive. Like they could keep track of Luke because they knew to keep track of Luke, but they didn't. And then, uh, you know, why didn't Luke find baby Grogu earlier? Well, he didn't know either, but then there's this magic uh, – altar and baby Grogu has a religious moment on it and it sends the bat signal up and Luke hears it. I like it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I, I think there's uh it's, I mean, for lack of a better terminology, it's like Lee lines on the earth, right? Like where there was like magic lines that intersect at a certain point, you take him to this part of the galaxy, he's going to be able to talk to people. Uh, Jedi can't talk to each other because the Sith have basically messed us all up. Seriously, like even in the prequels, they're like, oh, we can't see the future. We don't know what's going on. Things are bad. Uh, and it, so it it makes sense to me for that. Um, I don't know how you felt, but when Luke took Grogu, I felt sad. Yeah, I said I, I said that. I felt really sad. Yeah, and that that is the hero for my youth. Yeah, I, and, I, I, but it, but it is a sad parting. But like that, the whole deal, the whole Mandalorian's whole arc is like, if you were rooting for the Mandalorian, just adopt Baby Yoda. He'll be your baby. Like that's never going to happen because he he can't give Baby Yoda what Baby Yoda needs. And like the the thing that he needs to do if Baby Yoda is to fulfill his potential is to give him to someone who understands his Force crap. And it's going to be sad when you leave him. But like, but that's what's best for the baby. So he's doing what's best. Uh, what he, what I agree with you, and I think season three is going to reverse that decision. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how, like, I think it would be a wise choice to, because, again, we know what happens to, with Luke's training. It doesn't go well. I, like, I don't think you can keep bringing it, cycling Baby Yoda back in. Like, you yeah. can't put him in peril again but and then rescue me, him and then put him in peril and rescue him. No, I'm not, him. I, I, I me, think me, he just goes off. I think he goes off and just abandons Jedi stuff and meanwhile, hangs out with Mando. <laughs> meanwhile, Bob Iger's watching the sales of Baby Yoda-related merchandise. <laughs> right. And he's picking up the phone calls like, look, you guys. Can we get, can we get that baby Yoda back in? The, the kid listen, stays in the picture. Listen, right. John Favreau, baby. Hey, you you could do what you want to do, but uh, you got to get me some baby Yoda. Do you know what I love about that phone call is that Favreau is so much the goose that has laid so many golden eggs for that company. Like he's basically created the MCU and right. now he's like rebooted Star Wars. He's he's. He's a made man. He's right. got to be a made man. And it's like, uh, okay, so John, I hear you're writing off Baby Yoda. I love the way you. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I love it. Anything you want, buddy. And meanwhile, he's already launched this successfully with this blockbuster hit show, launched the single most important thing Disney has done strategically in the whole internet era, which is this yeah. Disney Plus, and made it a must subscribe thing. And it's like, he's already done his thing, but it's like, 
you, yeah. you can't take your foot off the gas pedal on the Baby Yoda toys and pajamas. And, uh, I know. I, mean, I, love, make, I love, love that Jedi, conversation. Make a Jedi Baby's animated series with just <laughs> all the little younglings. I, I have you guys ever seen the Chef Show? I think it's on. It's on Netflix. I've. It's, I, it's really I, good. I, I've, I know I've shared a link with you, Cooper. It's good. It's really good. It's well, just Favreau. And all I can say, I've got a, it. I've got a three and a half year old niece, and all I can say is for that demographic, you you couldn't put Baby Yoda on enough stuff. I don't even know if kids <laughs> use lunch boxes anymore. You could just bring back lunch boxes, and if it's got Grogu on it, it's going to sell. Everything, the baby Yoda, all the way down. It's and yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna call that. I'm gonna call that a spectacular. That was great, you guys. I appreciate your time uh, so much. This was a lot of fun for me. It turned out as as good as I could imagine. Maybe a little longer, but what what are we gonna do? What are you talking about, dude? We're under under three hours. When they take out your pee break, it'll be comfortably (laughs) under three hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's not our fault. We were here to work. You anyway, phoned it in a little bit. I couldn't be happier, honestly. Overall, the ba- the ba- I-, I don't love the Mandalorian. I don't. It's uh, you know. I think there are a lot of people who like it more than I do. But I, I, it is more than good enough for me to say, hey, this is a treat. I really look forward to it every Friday. Can't wait for season three. I think they're doing a great job, and it makes me happy that. Uh, Basically, that Star Wars is in good hands. I, I like it. It's not, Me too. you know, not my Star Wars, but I, I don't make Star Wars, and I'm glad that somebody is making very good Star Wars stories. Yeah, I, I, I will echo that. I really, really enjoyed Mandalorian season two. It's very different than season one, and I suspect and I hope that season three will be different. Uh, I hope that some of these new shows pick up on sort of what the promise of Mandalorian season one was, which was uh, random people that are not attached to Luke Skywalker at some point, or like the the greater gist of the universe. Uh, although I know there's a there's a strong uh, gravity well that that will draw all of these stories together. Um, the other thing I want to say is uh, happy birthday, John Syracuse. <laughs> we I don't, already did that. We already did that three hours ago. But yeah, thank you. I know it but is it's your three birthday. Hours, now, it's though. three hours later, and we're getting there. We're like an hour away. So <laughs> anyway, all right. Thank you, fellas. Thanks to our sponsors, Squarespace wait, wait. and did, Fields. Uh, did, what else? Syracuse. Did you say good? Uh, I don't think you got a final word. <laughs> I think I said plenty of words. Uh, <laughs> more Star Wars. Really? Is good. Yeah. Are you telling me? Are you telling me after all of these years of knowing you that you're tapping out have, and you don't have, have any more statements. words? I don't usually have closing statements. Star Wars is good. Let's make more good Star Wars. The end. There we go. Oh my God. Love this what do you, what do you, what, which show are you guys looking more forward to? Boba Fett show, the Obi-Wan show, or the Ahsoka Tenobi? Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's my guy. I don't know. I I I would have said the Ahsoka show, but maybe maybe Obi Wan. I can't I can't really decide. Really, honestly, it depends on which show has better writing. Like I'm such yeah, a well, it, like <laughs> I love that there's so many shows that I can like pick and choose favorites among them, and I I just want to see who's got the best who's got the best writing team. I'm uh, for television. That's almost all that I care about yeah. because yeah. the effects are going to be fine. Like I know the actors can all act. I think it'll all be great. Uh, give me some good writing. Yeah, and yeah. I th- I think that's the key to the Mandalorian. Honestly, it's the best thing about it is that it, it's a well written show, and that uh, I agree. And it's like it's so good to see somebody to see that they respected that, and and uh, it didn't just figure it. Hey, we'll put some lasers and some spaceships and call it a call it a show. Well, uh, speaking about Favreau, I think 
that that guy could retire just on having uh, pushed for and uh, made possible uh, the volume that they use to film the stuff in. That insight alone of like being able to do this kind of stuff in camera uh, with a virtual stage is brilliant. It, it's it's amazing. It is a remarkable leap in filmmaking, and I, I my hats off to everybody involved in that. It's it's really 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 cool, mm-hmm. and I think it unlocks all of these other shows because you couldn't shoot them on on location. They it would cost far too much. But now we've got what eight, like five six shows that are you know uh, within reason to create, and I think. I think when things get cheaper to make, we get we often see a higher quality uh, outcomes because you can take more risks. Well, well said, guy. All right, Merry New Year to you all. <laughs> I'm going to call that a show. <laughs>